Welcome to the Region Free Gamers Podcast, and on this episode, you are not ready for that base. Welcome back to the Region Free Gamers Podcast, the podcast that's fluent in gaming. My name's Paul, I'll be your host for today, and uh, today we're going to be talking PlayStation, specifically the hits and misses on Sony's nostalgia box, the PS Mini. Um, but first of all, as always, thanks for listening. And uh, if you enjoy what you hear, tell a friend, and leave us a, re- a rating and review on the Apple Podcast app, or whichever podcast app you use to listen to us. And uh, hey, while you're on that app, throw your phone in the air and roundhouse kick that subscribe button. Um, Again, get as violent with it as you possibly can. Um, But anyhow, before we uh, move on to the topic at hand, uh, introducing our co-hosts today uh, to the east of me out of New York City, we've got Ozzy. Hey, y'all. And to the south of me, out of Virginia, we've got Arnie. Hey, everybody. And uh, even further east of me, Jeff, you're in the Netherlands, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, over in Holland. Yep. Okay, so we'll pretend I didn't ask, and I'll say, out of the Netherlands, we've got Jeff. Yeah, hi there. Hi, guys. Hi again. And uh, we've had Jeff on before, and uh, the last time I introduced him, I was wildly unprofessional, and my introduction consisted (laughs) of something like, and here's Jeff. And then that was it. <laughs> um, so this time, maybe let's do it right. And uh, Jeff, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, this is uh, this is a bit, bit odd. I think I've only ever had to introduce myself at work before. So to introduce myself onto a <laughs> podcast, I'm thinking, okay, what do I say that's interesting? Um, yeah, so uh, I'm Jeff. Uh, I'm 34. I come from England. Um, I've uh, I've been a big listener to the podcast since you guys started it. Really impressed with uh, how much you've made it grow. So I'm really honoured to be here. Uh, thank you for the invite. Um, yeah, you can tell that uh, I'm from London. So uh, living in the Holland is a uh, bit of fun. Living in the EU. So yeah, having a good time. It's funny. I probably I probably should have mentioned that you were a British guy out of the Netherlands because I'm saying out of the Netherlands. Here's Jeff. And then this British guy shows yes. up. And first time like, listeners what? will be like, what is going on here? And Jeff, uh, I, I, I should also you should also mention that you have an Instagram account that you're probably better known as your alter ego G Spot Gaming. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I've been I've been running that, that now for ooh, nearly a year and a half. Uh, so yeah, it's been been a been a wild eighteen months, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and Jeff, how did you get into gaming? Yeah, um, I was uh, one of those kids that I was lucky. I had a dad that just supplied me with MS-DOS packages. Like he would bring home computers from work, um, so we'd have like Minesweeper and Solitaire, and then we started bringing home like bootleg copies from his colleagues. Um, and then I got incredibly lucky. My dad used to work abroad, um, and Japan was his region during the 80s and 90s. So through the 80s, he was bringing back Transformers my brother and then at the end of the 80s he brought home a game boy 
and it was like it just blew blew it blew my mind absolutely blew my mind so that kind of got me immediately hooked there's like vi- like home videos of me just like glued to the Game Boy whilst everyone else is enjoying Christmas <laughs> dinner so yeah that's 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 where I got my fix and it never let go yeah so when when you got the Game Boy was was it region free or were you playing Japanese games more more often than not yeah, well, because what my dad would do, he would just basically go to the second-hand shops, buy up a load of loose carts, and then just, like, once a month, just drop one on me or, like, hide them around the house sometimes. I'd just find a new Game Boy game, like, around my <laughs> birthdays and stuff. So I I, I would I played some unbelievably rare games that are now worth, you know, a couple hundred dollars. Um, and at the time, they were just games that I just played and threw away because, you know, you don't, you never think about the, the value of this stuff. Um, yeah, no. But now, like, I'm slowly trying to buy back my old collection, and I've <laughs> I've already started to hit like two hundred dollar price marks. I'm like, right, oh. I I can't do this. So my dad either had an unbelievable unbelievable eye for like quality games, or you know, he just got lucky. So. And Jeff, is your is your dad a gamer as well? Uh, no, he's from that generation where he just uh, like a game is just you know like cup and ball. You know, um, so like <laughs> sticking wheel. That's, yeah. Um, so yeah, like even my brother. My brother didn't take to it. He took to like uh, cars and meeting girls and stuff. Whereas I, I completely adopted <laughs> video games. So uh, yeah. Any any particular gems from your childhood that you remember that you're still trying to get back? Yeah, like a Gargoyles Quest. Um, oh. oh. That was, that was, I mean, I never completed it when I was young, especially because it was in Japanese as well. So I had no clue. I didn't really even realize it was an RPG, kind of action RPG, until like when I became an adult. Uh, There's a game called Roadster, and Roadster now is at like $200 mark, and it's really simple, top-down racing game. It's really simple, but I think it just was rare. Yeah, so, you know, you get get this stuff, and you just... uh, yeah, my my dad would basically look at the the art of, on the cart and just kind of go, "This looks cool. My son will like it." And it, it ends up yeah. being like a Japanese RPG, and I'm just like, "What the hell is going on?" Well, Jeff, let me ask you: Did did you ever have to come home with a mahjong game just by accident? <laughs> um, thankfully not. No, um, but yeah, now that now that I look back on it, maybe maybe that would have uh, would would have gone down well on the old uh, four hour car rides. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah well, I got. I mean, I didn't, even I didn't then at the time. I got Fist of the North Star, Hokuto no Ken, and um, yeah. and th- and it's just now like I've, I can. I'm looking at my shelf now. It's still there, and it's like that's one of the the best. It's a terrible game, but the the artwork <laughs> it just it just kind of like pulls you into Japanese um, culture, like this yeah. sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, it major major influence on 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 me. That did major. So Jeff, I, I suppose that's the the big a big reason why a lot of your games are Japan. I mean, a yeah. lot of what you post up is Japan uh, yeah. releases. So even oh, no, something like Donkey Kong Country is is the Japanese Donkey Kong Country, for example. Yeah, I mean. it's 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 one of those things where right right now buying, say, if you want to buy Super Donkey Kong or Donkey Kong Country, it's so much cheaper to get the Japanese copy still. So it's like I can get mm-hmm. a really nice mint, beautiful looking Super Famicom for like fifteen twenty dollars. Or I buy the PAL version, which always ran at the lower hertz anyway, a version for like triple the price. It's like I'm not yeah. I'm not made of money. Um, I'm just going to go Super Famicom. And then when you go down that route, 
that road of Super Famicom, you realise, oh my god, this is a never-ending goldmine of incredible, <laughs> yeah. incredible stuff. And now, you know, so I've, do you import um, do you import them from Japan? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I get lazy. I use eBay and I use some websites. Um, I go. It's perfectly fine. Yeah, it's, I think it's... I think Paul and I both use eBay as well. Oh, I mean, dude, I, I... <laughs> almost like I wouldn't say almost exclusively, but I use it quite a bit. I mean, where I live, I'm I'm certainly not finding anything locally. Um, yeah. So it's just it's either Facebook groups or eBay. That's like ninety yeah. percent of what I get. So so yeah, I mean, I so I do have a lot of the Japanese versions, but you know, I do play PlayStation Four. I've got a Switch. I get most of my games that I really heavily play are like you know the English versions of, of games. It's just that that thing of uh, like once you open Pandora's box, which is mm-hmm. Nintendo Japanese video games, it's yeah. it's uh, it's a never ending uh, uh, nightmare for your bank account. But it's just <laughs> it's just amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you even see people like I've seen a bunch of people going over to Japan and you get into like book offs and hard offs and, Oof. you know, you can find like consoles for like two bucks and games for 50 cents and, you know, crazy, crazy stuff. Like yeah. they just have such a surplus of games that they I, I don't know if the market over there isn't the way it is over here where Japanese people don't really seem to be that interested in their retro stuff but with the exception of like the really rare stuff it's usually not it's like a lot better to get whatever the Japanese version of that game you're looking for is than either the PAL or the American version yeah exactly well you you get you get stuff like 100 yen games which is like mm-hmm. not even a dollar and they yeah. can be like incredibly good games it's just yeah, I, I I do think that they that they had such an abundance of hardware and they keep of software, sorry, and they keep things in such great condition that it just seems like it's just never ending uh, stuff to be able to get. But I just mm-hmm. think that they, as you say, I think the retro side of for them is not as important as looking forward. Well, it's interesting, Jeff, because uh, I was in Europe a few months back and I was in in, in France and I was surprised at how much more. <laughs> complete box games there were out there compared to the u.s uh but it seems like there's even more of that in in japan um and that they're not exactly expensive for the most part but yeah. i found that i mean if you're buying a complete box game boy advance game or super nintendo game over here you're paying at least 60 dollars um mm-hmm. you know possibly more most likely more than that uh, so it's funny that for you, you're in Europe and you still even look even east, even more east in order to be able to get games even cheaper. I, yeah. I bought actually Astro Boy, the Omega Factor uh, for yeah, that's a great game. Yeah. from Japan and uh, because I needed to complete, you know, I had the box, but I didn't have the game. And, and I was surprised at how cheap it was. Uh, I mean, in Japan, I mean, the, the shipping was like $2 and I was like, that doesn't make any sense. It's coming from Japan. Why? No it sense at all. It's crazy. Yeah, it doesn't sense make absolutely no sense. Yeah, but it I was, I was talking about... to a, no, sorry. Yeah, I was I was talking to a guy who's based in the US and he had a few things for sale. I'm like, oh yeah, I'll take that, that, and that. Uh, how much is shipping? He said twenty five dollars. I'm like, um, um, maybe not. I think I'll uh, I'll kind of try my chances and if I find it in the wild, I'll find it. But I'm not paying a whole new game just to get stuff shipped. To yeah. Me. Yeah, without getting into the nitty-gritty of it, Jeff, I mean, do you have issues with, like, import tariffs and stuff like that? I mean, because I know that's yeah. an issue for, like, the UK. Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's really hit and miss. Um, I ha- so I recently got uh, the, that Super Analog, the, the NT. Um, yeah. So that's, like, you had to pay $50 for shipping. 
Um, so total is like $250. And I was like, right, customs are going to absolutely screw me over here. Um, but they didn't even touch it. Yeah, yeah, I get a $20 or $10 item from Japan and they want 10, hmm. 10 euro custom charge. It's like, I, it's just like what, what what they want and when they want it, I just feel like they just kind of make it up as they go along. So, yeah. Dude, 100%. Like, I once ordered... I once ordered underwear from the U.S., and which is ridiculous. But anyway, there, there was a really there was a really strong advertising push, and I was I fell prey to it. And uh, and so the underwear was like fifteen bucks, right? And then it arrives, and my customs bill was also fifteen bucks. Oh my god! And I was like, what is going on here? And then on the on the package it said ten dollars for handling. I'm like, it's a little bag. It, it weighs like nothing. It's it's unaver, right? But nah, man. It's it's. And then sometimes I get games from the U.S. and my shipping and handling, or not the shipping rather, but the handling, the customs is zero dollars. It's it's seemingly random. It's really strange. Anyway, the topic was supposed to be PlayStation today. We've totally gone off the rails here. So yeah, we're going to be talking about the PlayStation Mini, uh, the PlayStation Classic, whatever you want to call it. Um, all, like I've heard so much online about the lineup of games and how much people like how I wouldn't say disappointed, right? Because I mean there are a ton of good games on mm -hmm. the Classic, but I think everybody's got at least a list of five to ten games that they are adamant should not be on that console. Um, and so, yeah, we're going to talk about the PlayStation. We're going to talk about which games we would take out and then which ones we would put in. And, uh, you know, before we even do that, I mean, the PlayStation was released, what was it? 90, it was 95 in the U.S. I think it was the same thing in Europe as well. Yeah. Uh, late 94 in Japan. Um, so, I mean, it's been, my math isn't very good, but I think it's like 23 years. Um, but yeah, Jeff, like what, what was your first experience with the PlayStation? Yeah, I had, um, my, my cousin, uh, even more than me, like my cousin had an older brother who was earning money. So that basically he was always supplying him like a, like a, like a, you know, like a, like a pusher with any new consoles. <laughs> so my, my cousin comes around, I'm like, hey, do you want to go, you, do you want to come play ISS on the on the SNES? He's like, SNES? Pfft, nah, I've got 32-bit PlayStation. It's like, <laughs> oh, a what? A what? PlayStation? I've never, I've never heard of it. Never plug it in. And he plugs in a theme park. And uh, theme even park. theme park, it was like, it, it looked, you know, you look back now, it looks terrible. But then it was yeah, like, sure. FMVs. It's like, oh my god, this is this is it, this is it. And every like SNES straight down to Electronics Boutique, sold, sold, sold. PlayStation bought. Biggest mistake I ever made. But you know that PlayStation. It it is it, as soon as you could play CDs, it was like this is something. This is something else. Yeah, I mean that that was the thing, right? Like every, I feel like every console generation. That's me. It's like this is it. Like we've achieved the best it's never going to be better than this and then the next thing comes out and it's amazing so looking back on the playstation it's like man this looks like hot garbage but at the time <laughs> it was amazing like i was like this is this is it like uh clouds pipe cleaner popeye arms are as high fidelity as it's ever gonna get 
yeah. yeah it's yeah. it's funny like looking back on it it was simultaneously like the biggest leap and yet the shittiest looking oh yeah well, with like, the PlayStation, it's, it's interesting because for a lot of people, that's where they kind of lost interest in video games because yeah, that leap to yeah. 3D and having to deal with the camera um, just was too much for them. And I know at least I have some friends that they saw, you know, the PlayStation as an abomination, which is that, you know, we had this beautiful sprite art and you mm-hmm. just went and perverted all of that with this ridiculous looking polygons. Yeah. And I think that for a lot of people, they saw that as the beginning of the end, whereas it, it wasn't really, but you clearly see a dividing line, a, a kind of divergence point with the PlayStation. Yeah. Um, it this really is... marked... Yeah, go ahead. This, this is really interesting. We were talking about Japan earlier. If you go into the book off and the hard offs and these shops in Japan, you will have this gigantic library of 16-bit games that were for the PlayStation. There was this mm-hmm. bridge that it, because it's basically the SNES version two. That's what the PlayStation was meant to be, right? It was meant to be that crossover console. But there's yes. a load of these 1995, 96 games where they still use sprite work. So you've got a lot of the Mega Man's or the Rock Man's were put on the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. You had uh, the Street Fighter Alphas were put onto it where they were still using sprite work. But yeah. they didn't, not a lot of those made it over to the West. It's, you know, because when you look back now, you can see this gigantic catalog and it's like, I've never heard of any of these. Yeah. But, but yeah, absolutely. In the West, we, we had 3D pushed upon us of like, no, 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 this is the future. This is where it's going. Forget about beautiful sprite art. That's, 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 that's ugly. Now you want 3D. Yeah. Well, and well, Sony, Sony was particularly yeah. notorious yeah. for that. Like they were yeah. very, very anti. From what I remember, very anti two D. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They didn't allow two D in in two D games for the most part. Um, I think that Konami had to make a deal with them in order for Symphony to be on there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it was notorious. I mean, they really had a policy against doing that because they wanted three D to be the way of the future. I think they were still concerned with what Nintendo would come out with and having that fear of you know 2d kind of staying as the the, the mainstream uh gaming uh genre or or gaming look i suppose mm-hmm. well i mean and and that's understandable when you think of it you know what you're seeing in a super nintendo is is the peak of of 2d sprite work right this is an art form that they've been working on for years and now you have 3d in its infancy of course it's going to look like a dumpster fire next to you know what what has been like a craft that people have honed for years so i can definitely understand why they're afraid of you know putting a lot of 2d games on a 3d console um but but i but i think even then it caught most people by surprise i mean mm-hmm. the industry was really not ready for the playstation being successful i mean yeah. you had the saturn kind of scrambling just to make the Saturn, Sega kept scrambling to make the Saturn a, a 3D capable machine, and they had to basically, you know, graft a new processor into it just to be able to, you know, have 3D. And the Nintendo 64 was delayed, I believe, mm-hmm. um, and they were working, I think, with ATI yeah. um, or I don't know. Wasn't it Silicon Graphics? Silicon something? Graphics, yeah, Silicon yeah. Graphics. It was an ATI. Um, and they still were not ready, I think. I don't think that the 3D was something that the industry really expected because there were so many failures before that like the 3do mm-hmm. the panasonic cdi all these other systems that just kind of came and went and it was not successful um but yeah the playstation stayed and and it managed to be successful 
Yeah. I think I think that their that their tagline, do not underestimate the power of PlayStation, was marketing genius. They <laughs> oh, yeah. knew they knew that Nintendo and Sega like did not even consider them a threat. They knew that they were going to be ignored, so they could basically reinvent how what a home console should be or could be. And Sony's marketing was unbelievably relentless, especially when I think about the UK and like how they were clearly trying to target the older teenagers and the early 20-year-olds, like being in nightclubs and like having like really gritty like uh, marketing campaigns, I guess. Like you could really see yeah, that yeah, they were basically, they completely sideswiped Nintendo and Sega who thought that gaming should always be for kids. Yeah, especially yep. in the UK. I mean, you had you had Wipeout, you know, present yeah. everywhere. And uh, there was this big like drum and bass and, yeah, and, exactly. and club music. Uh, kind of influenced the wipeout and it even showed up in hackers the movie and you felt like man this is a really cool system i i kind of have to have it yeah. so the, the the marketing push was really really brilliant uh but I, again at the end of the day it came down to the games if if playstation did not have the games then it, it wouldn't have we wouldn't have been talking about it now we it wouldn't have succeeded mm. but it really was the games that made it what it is and made it a mainstay of of the video game industry and the launch lineup was, I don't know how many people remember even what the launch lineup was. That launch lineup was really impressive. Like, Yeah, I, I mean, we look at it now and it doesn't look as impressive, but for the time, it covered almost every vase. You well, know, especially when compared to, especially when compared to the Saturn, for example, right? Like, I don't know if you guys remember. Okay, so for me anyway, my first experience with the PlayStation was a buddy of mine who traded in all his 16-bit stuff and he got a PlayStation I don't even remember why exactly he got it. I think he tried it in the store mm-hmm. and was like, I think he played Warhawk and Ridge Racer and and he was blown away. And he's like, well, forget Sega, right? Like, I'm getting this thing. And so he brought it over to my place and we had I had a bunch of friends over. And yeah, we tried Warhawk and Ridge Racer. And let me tell you, Ridge Racer blew Daytona out of the water. Like, those were the two big racing games at the time. And I was like holy crap, man, Ridge Racer is the real deal. I, I like, I just completely wasn't expecting it. And Warhawk yeah. was incredible. It like, was very I, impressive, very technically yeah. impressive. And it had the FMV cutscenes. I mean, I can't understand, understate how much it felt like this was the future. Yeah. It was yeah. that, yeah. you know, you were going to have, you know, real people playing your characters. I mean, granted, that did not turn out to be the case. We ended up, you know, going really far away from that. But it really felt like, okay, this is what men- games are meant to go. Um, but you had a really good representation across all genres. You had Battle Arena to Shinden for the 3D game. So if you wanted to see kind of the future of fighters, you had the 3D fighters, like with Battle Arena to Shinden and later on with Tekken. I don't know if Tekken came out on release on, on launch day. I don't think so. No, um, I don't think so either. And, and you had Ridge Racer. You had Air Combat, which was also really good. Mm. Um and uh, it, it was just a good cross-cut of all the various genres and kind of a good representation of, okay, this is the future. Uh, Twisted Metal, which felt very edgy, very satirical, and, and very action-packed. All of those yep. were just good all-around games that mm-hmm. you know really showed you this is the future. This is what you want to play. Yeah. Like, none of them had any name brand behind them. But for the time, like, at that moment, they were virtually all, like, really good. Yeah, I think it's I think it's also interesting 
I mean, not surprising, but interesting that there's also, like, no RPGs in the launch lineup, considering that the PlayStation 1 is, like, an RPG machine. Mm. At least in my eyes, it's, like, it has such an output of, like, high-quality RPGs. Maybe not as big as the PlayStation 2 would be eventually, but I think the PlayStation 1 is, like, where a lot of people's RPG fandom started. Yeah, I think the RPG RPG, uh, kind of movement started with Wild Arms, and then it carried over into Final Fantasy VII and all the greats after that. But yeah. I'm here right now looking at my at my long box games because those were Sony for the first two years. They they published the games in this long box cases, kind of like the ones that Saturn used to have. And those are all the early games. And I'm looking at it, and there's not a single RPG in there. So you know, RPGs did not really kind of hit the playstation until 1996 yeah um and then after that that was all she wrote it was just a, the system to play rpgs on yeah mm-hmm. and, then and plus going they back... just take longer to develop right yeah like, the absolutely. development cycle for an rpg is just way more especially in 3d i suppose they could have just ported some games that were on the super nintendo and to these sprites but since sony did not want that that's probably why it took them longer because they wanted yeah. something a little bit more uh, polished and refined and that mm-hmm. was more forward-looking than the traditional 2d hand-drawn animation and uh arnie what about you what was the first time or the first thing you remember really about the playstation uh, let's see the first thing I, I remember about the playstation is i played at my i my cousin got it before i did because she had like the fat playstation one and i remember playing uh crash bandicoot um and loved it i was like what the hell is this? Because at the time, all I had played, like, I had a Super Nintendo, and that was, like, my system that I played all the time. And so seeing, like, something like Crash Bandicoot and Spyro the Dragon um, was, like, you know, jaw-dropping for me at the time. But I remember yeah. I got a PS1, um, like, the the mini the mini PS1, <laughs> before oh, cool. the mini PS1. That was my, my system, and I loved it. I loved the form factor of it, and I thought it was super cool and sleek-looking. But I remember the two games I got with it were Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, which is amazing because I was obsessed with extreme sports and all that stuff as a kid because I was an idiot. <laughs> um, and uh, Jet Moto, I think, was the other one. Mm. And oh. I, I love Jet Moto. I think it's – the way a lot of people feel about Wipeout is how I feel about Jet Moto. Like Jet Moto was the, the – for a guy who didn't play racers, Jet Moto was the game that I was like, oh, I like Jet Moto. Like Jet Moto is a racing game I can get behind. Um, but Tony Hawk was like the reason I got a PlayStation essentially. Like I played it over at a friend's house and I needed it and I put so (laughs) much, so many hours into that. And I got like all the shitty, like Tony Hawk clones. Like I got Dave Mira's freestyle BMX. I got Andy McDonald's skateboarding. I got, you know, (laughs) I got, I got every, every single like knockoff you could possibly get. Uh, just hey, freestyle to get BMX was pretty good, dude. I like freestyle BMX. I like that it it what it did well um, was the music. It did a lot of like good uh, licensed music, like Tony Hawk did. That was the first time I listened to uh, uh, "What I Got" by Sublime. Um, it was a great song. Ooh, so I, yeah. <laughs> that was the song that I always remember from that game. Um, but yeah, so for me, the PlayStation One was really like sort of racing and 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 extreme sports titles until i got legend of dragoon and that's when i sort of pivoted to more rpg focused stuff yeah i I have a i have a weird sense that we're going to be talking about legend of dragoon later on (laughs) that's crazy talk no nobody's going to bring that up (laughs) how about you ozzy first time 
Well, I mean, I, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but PlayStation was my first real system. Uh, I, I asked uh, my dad, uh, I, I lived in Cuba, as you guys all know, and my dad had left in 1995, he left to the United States, he, uh, he defected to the United States. And uh, I was, you know, seeing all the different systems that people had, um, the Nintendo, that's kind of the first system I played and, and enjoyed. And then the Super Nintendo. When I saw the Super Nintendo and I saw Street Fighter 2, I just felt like I needed to have this. I needed to have one of these systems. Um, and so I never asked anything, you know, to my dad. I was just very shy and I didn't want to impose upon him and I didn't know what his circumstances were. Mind you, I was probably like six, so I was thinking about all those things. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, I really wanted one of these. And so I, I told my mom, like, hey, you know, is it okay if I ask my dad for one of these systems? And so. I asked uh, I asked him for a Super Nintendo, and summer of 1996, uh, we come back from a trip uh, over the summer, and there it is waiting for me a big package, and I say this is finally it. I'm gonna have a Super Nintendo once and for all, and when I open it, it's this weird rectangular <laughs> you know thing that played this, and I did not know what the hell it was, but it certainly wasn't a Super Nintendo. Um, I think I and... think I think the key question is how long were you crying for? <laughs> no, I, I wasn't like you, you know, seriously. I mean, oh. I was just happy that I had something, honestly. Okay. But yeah. but the, the, the you know, and so I I took like a few hours. My neighbor came to set it up because you know having an old TV, an old Sony Trinitron, uh, we it didn't have the the uh, the uh, RGB, uh, not yeah. the RGB, the the inputs, the RCA the, or whatever. Yeah, the RCA inputs. And so we had to run it through the VCR, and, and that's how we, we, we did it. So it took me like two hours. But finally, we were off to the races. I'm playing Street Fighter Alpha and, and the original Need for Speed. And so, you know, I guess the downside to having a PlayStation was that no one knew what the hell it was. So I really couldn't share my experiences with others. So I, I it was kind of very solitary for me to have the PlayStation. Like, it was very impressive for people because I was literally probably the only kid in Cuba at the time that had a PlayStation. Um, but I, I really just wanted a Super Nintendo because that's the system that, you know, other people had, but yeah. it's a console that is, you know, very, it's very nostalgic for me because it was literally the first console that I ever had. So, um, it, it, you know, eventually like within a year it started failing because it had that notorious, uh, overheating issue that mm, yep. would start skipping yeah. FMVs and then eventually just stop playing altogether. So, you know, we tried everything. We turned it upside down. I think I was not the only one to do that. And so you had to turn it upside down for it not to overheat. You turned it sideways, everything, until eventually it just didn't play anymore. Mm. But, you yeah. know, it was it was a very it was a very good experience for me for the time that it lasted. I mean, again, I don't think it lasted two years, to be honest. But it, it, it was good. And so when I came to the United States, it was 1999. So I got another PlayStation. And, and you know, and, and that's when I built a little bit more of a library. So... So yeah, it's a, it's a system that is very close to my heart. That uh, that overheating thing, it's like, I didn't own a PlayStation at the time that that was happening. So to me, the memories of it are hilarious, right? <laughs> I, We're just laughing at everyone. It's like... Well, I wasn't, I wasn't laughing at everyone per se. It was more a matter of, I didn't have that level of, of schadenfreude yet at the time. Um <laughs> But because I had a Saturn, I would often swap with friends, right? Like I'd borrow a PlayStation and give them my Saturn and we'd get to play all the different games. And I had a buddy who, and I might have mentioned this to you guys before, he had Final Fantasy Tactics. 
And uh, and when I saw it, I'm like, dude, I got to borrow this. And he's like, yeah, sure. But my PlayStation's a piece of, you know, it's a piece of garbage. And so what I what I did in order to play Final Fantasy Tactics was I stored the PlayStation in my refrigerator. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I kid you not. I stored the PlayStation in my refrigerator. And then whenever it was time to play it, I'd take it out of the fridge and then put it and put it upside down on the coffee table. And that is fucking brilliant. That's amazing. What's that? What did your parents have to say about this? Well, we had nothing. I don't know. They. I, I have to think that's a fire hazard. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not an electrician, but I don't know. That doesn't sound safe at all. So. No, no, it doesn't. But in order to play Final Fantasy Tactics, I was willing to do dangerous things. <laughs> so, yeah, and because of that, I was able to get, like, an hour of playtime, you know, per session out of it. Oh, gotcha. Was that bad, and, uh, Yeah, no, it was, it was well worth it. And it added an element of, like, I don't know, suspense. Because in Final Fantasy Tactics, you can't save during the level. Um, so it's like either you're going to die because the game is hard or you're going to die because that original PlayStation is such a piece of crap. Um, <laughs> yeah, to yeah, be fair, was, I uh, mean, they, they changed the model like around late 1996, early 1997. They updated yeah. it, you know, and yeah. it was sturdier. Uh, but the damage was done for a lot of consoles. If you bought the console between 1995 and 1996, most likely that console isn't working. It's just mm. how it is. Um, yeah. And the thing for me was that you know, I didn't have access. I couldn't call like tech support or anything like that. Yeah. I was stuck with it. And so by the time that it started failing, I was so pissed because I couldn't really play it. And so I tried, you know, fruitlessly to trade the PlayStation and kind of I would show people off, you know, the time that the times that it worked. And it's like, oh, this is really impressive. right? You want to trade your Super Nintendo with me? <laughs> <laughs> it, it never worked. It never worked. And I think the reason why it never worked was actually because of Street Fighter. They were like, I'm not letting go of Street Fighter. Uh-huh. Um, but it was I was really pissed off because it was like I had this console that I couldn't really play. So for a long time, my feelings about PlayStation were just of resentment. Um, now I can look back at it with a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. I think it says yeah. a lot about the system that that all happened and you were resentful. And yet your words before were like, then 1999, when I went to America, I bought another PlayStation. Like, I think it says a lot that something like that could happen to their, like, like the the original console they release. And they're still, like, they still sold a ton of units, probably because a lot of people rebought the console. Um, <laughs> and it's still, like, fondly remembered. Like, uh, up until now, like, I've never heard somebody complain about these PlayStation overheating problems when, like, thinking back on PS1. Yeah, well, Arnie. Let's let's be real. I, I wasn't gonna buy a Nintendo sixty four. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm you know, I'm you glad that Mas is not is not here. But I'm glad that Mas is not here because he's a resident fanboy. Uh, because <laughs> he would have taken me to task for this, but I hated a Nintendo sixty four, so I wasn't gonna buy that crap. Um, but hey, that's my Nintendo bashing for the day. But this was like a lot in my playground where like the Nintendo sixty four kids would go, "Yeah, your PlayStation, you know, it breaks, it doesn't work." And we'd always turn around and go, "What new game do you have? Are you still playing? Are you still playing Zelda? Yeah, we got Zelda. Yeah, that came out two years ago. I've got like a gigantic library of games. Okay, my console's not the most reliable, but even though like it's not about quantity, it's not quantity over quality. But at the end of the day, like as you say, people always wanted a PlayStation because there was games for everybody. 
doesn't matter who you were, yeah. there was a game there for you or a whole genre there for you. And it's not a case yeah. of here's one game Mario Kart. It's like no, here's ten incredibly good racing games. Well, let's 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 thing. consider if this had been if this had happened in the age of Twitter and in the age Oof. of the online era. Oh, yeah. Would PlayStation have? Would the Sony PlayStation have had the same degree of success? Because this was along the same lines, or perhaps even worse, than the Red Ring of Death for Microsoft. Yeah, and, but, but and I think has... the, the difference there is that like Microsoft took a humongous hit on that because they had to do a recall and they offered to replace people's consoles and stuff like that. I don't think Sony did any of that. I well, think that's because so, no. I think I think that's because there wasn't as much of a public outcry about exactly. it because there and wasn't and that's the what internet. I'm, that's what I'm saying because people like 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 for in your case, for example, you had nowhere to turn to like be like you know my PlayStation's busted. Like, how can I get it replaced? So Sony didn't have to deal with that sort of stuff. They just kept pushing product out, and people probably in order to you know not lose you know, this stack of games that they had ended up buying another console at some point. Yeah, if yeah it but if it, had, if it had happened while there was general, you know, internet and, and communication... Oh, yeah. It would, mean, have, been, it would have been Sony would have had a, a, probably an unrecoverable, uh, you know, stumble there. Yeah. So I, 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 don't, I don't think that they would have had as much success if it had become a mainstream concern and criticism. Well, the, yeah, the, I think... the old school, like, marketing, you know proverbs or whatever you want to call them like like you know if you have a great experience you tell one person or two people if you have a bad experience you'll tell 10 today Mm -hmm. if you have a bad experience you can tell a million people you know it's like it's it's companies now i think you're right i think sony could not have survived if if with this this that that, this level of like failures of consoles but um, and the, the other the other the other side of that coin is like in the market that sony was in at the time there, you didn't have as many options either because that your other option would be then I have to go buy a Nintendo 64 and then I have to pay $80 for every cartridge game that oh. I want to play brand new. God Whereas forbid. with Sony, Oof. maybe you have to buy another PlayStation, but PlayStation games were, what, 40 bucks? Like, they were undercutting Nintendo hard. So even if you had True. to, like, put up with buying a second console, in the grand scheme of things, I think that people valued the the amount of games you could get over necessarily having to plonk down like essentially a, a ton of money for one for one cartridge game, or you could go get a Sega Saturn. I mean, well, was it not? Was, was your... it not? Was it not cheaper than the competition? Because I remember that yeah. there was Sony came out with that press conference in 1994, and they just went up and they just announced the price, and it was like two hundred dollars, and then they just yeah. went back down, and everybody just went nuts yeah. and raucous about it. So I think even if you had to replace it. It wasn't as expensive as replacing, you know, another competitor console. Yeah. I mean, you weren't talking about a 3DO or any of the other failed systems. You weren't talking about a Neo Geo. You weren't talking about, you know, something like that. But I think the the thing now is, if it had happened today, there's a lot more parity in terms of of market share and, and price point. Whereas, like, if your brand new PS4 Pro caught fire with like six months that you bought it you could you know arguably turn around and be like you know what i'm done with it i'm gonna go over and get a nintendo switch or i'm gonna go over and get an xbox one and there's not like you're losing out on exclusives obviously but in terms of raw numbers of price point you're not there's not really a change there you're still paying you know 60 dollars for brand new games or performance for that matter like the ps4 and xbox one are like I mean, they're virtually the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I think as well, there's also um, maybe maybe it's a good question to the group. How many of us, hands on heart, had copied games? Or they, their PlayStation oh, could no. play copies? <laughs> Dude, that was a huge reason for owning it. Huge. Yeah, exactly. That's true. exactly. So you've got all these kids who are like, you know, you can get endless amounts of games. And they, they've always got some dodgy mate whose dad knows someone down the pub. This is really English, <laughs> I know. But some dodgy bloke at work who basically has like a CD copier at home. And yeah, yeah. That, I think that was also a major reason. Well, Jeff, I think that's a big reason why I succeeded so much in the UK, because the UK, ever since the 80s, with the ZX Spectrum and the Commodore, yeah. uh, not, the, not the, well, the Commodore and the Amiga, mm-hmm. you know, there was a huge kind of secondhand market and, yeah. and bootleg market. Yeah. And I think the bootleg market is kind of a part of the UK gaming identity. It, it's just, it's part and parcel. So I think with a Nintendo or Super Nintendo, you couldn't really do that. Mm-hmm. But with the PlayStation, yeah, you could trade around and, and, and you know, copied and, and burned games. I I personally didn't have that. I didn't have a modded PS1 or anything like mm. that. But wow. I, think it's, it's a, I think it's a big reason why a lot of these consoles succeeded, to be honest, which is kind yeah. of weird to say that piracy helped the console thrive. That's something that probably a lot of companies are not going to admit to, but it's the truth. Yeah. Oh, yep. dude, 100%. Like, I mean, if I can get a PlayStation and a whole bunch of burned games or an N64 and, you know, one original game, obviously I'm going to go with the PlayStation. And even though Sony is making less money on the software because I'm getting bootleg games, Nintendo is making $0 from me. Yeah. So, you know, you can do the math there, right? Yeah, but yeah. It, it is kind of funny because I know Sega had its own issues going on, but the Dreamcast was possibly even easier to, to copy oh, games yeah. for, but that completely crashed and burned. So there are opposite sides of the coin in terms of how, how easy your console is to open up for the for the, for the the hackers. But yeah, yeah. I think uh, it's incredibly incredibly vital to the, the resurgence or the, the emergence of Sony as a popular home console maker. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. I'd completely forgotten about that. Which is bizarre because, like, my bootleg game library was friggin' gigantic. It's the only reason I was able to play so many PlayStation games, right? But yeah. anyhow, we should probably take a break here and uh, and then get to our our top fives, our games that we want to replace on that mini. Uh, so yeah, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right. Hello, citizens of Europe. As spokesperson for SAPS, the Society Against PlayStation. I'd like to talk to you about a menace threatening humanity. It's happening right here in our very homes and corrupting the lives of our loved ones. Yes, friends, I'm talking about this. It may look like a harmless bagel toaster, but inside is a deadly donut. How do you know PlayStation is not a normal game system? It carries these telltale signs. Scientists say its effects are mind-boggling. Users lose all sense of reality and enter another world. Here we have a normal, healthy young man. And here we have a fellow who's been experimenting with PlayStation for only a few minutes. Proof that we saps must be on our guard. Remember, do not underestimate the power of PlayStation. Alrighty, and we're back. And uh, now that we're back, we're going to start talking about what games we want to get rid of on that mini. Uh, Jeff, which games do you hate and you desperately want to see removed? <laughs> hate is such a strong word. 
I, I, I don't <laughs> want to cast any ill will against the programmers or the developers of these fine games. Um, oh, that's so English of you, man. I know, <laughs> I know right? <laughs> <laughs> but no, there's, some of the, there's some utter garbage on this list. So I'm going to... Uh, gonna, okay, first game I'm getting rid of is Battle Arena Toshinden. Mm. Do you oh. want to know why? Or a little... Absolutely. I do want to know why. Uh, because I... So, so it probably is a good... My premise is that the PlayStation Mini Stroke Classic should be the 20 games that best represent the highest quality of what that console could deliver. Mm. So you're getting rid of Battle Arena Toshinden and you're putting in Soul Blade. So, hey. I'm sorry, but like, oh, that's if, a good one. if you want a weapons-based fighter, you go to the very best. Absolutely, so and like, Battle Arena Toshinden is capable, yep. and it was good for yep. its time, but it's certainly more than mediocre right now. Exactly. And it was a very weird inclusion. I know that it's a Sony-published game, so they owned the rights, so they didn't have to jump through any licensing issues. Yeah. Um, they didn't have to work with Namco for this, but but if they already got Tekken 3 with Namco, then yep. why are you not going to go the extra mile and just include Soul Blade? Exactly. Particularly considering that Soul Calibur 6 just came out and it's like mm-hmm. well you do you want to see the first game from that series then buy the playstation classic and you're gonna get to play soul blade which by the way it's still very much an excellent game yeah i think soul Calibur improved upon it in many ways but soul blade is still a very very good game absolutely and i could i was looking at like the uh, fighters on here because i love my 2d fighters i had yeah. street street fighters uh, alpha 3 is in on on, on, the, on the backlist but i'm thinking right you've got tekken 3 already in there so mm-hmm. I just thought, get rid of Battle Arena, put in another good 3D fighter, and we're good to go. So second game, I'm getting rid of Cool Borders 2. Yep. Um, yeah. Really, because I quite enjoy Cool Borders, but it wasn't a series that grabbed me. After that, I was never really... It didn't pull me in to, to join the rest of the series. Uh, plus, like apart from SSX Tricky, I've never really, say... truly enjoyed a snowboarding game. Yeah, that was one that, that Nintendo... When it came to snowboarding video games, that 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 genre that we all know and love, Nintendo <laughs> definitely got the upper hand with SSX. Well, and I think Cool Borders came out at a time where developers did not really know how to handle extreme sports video games, and mm-hmm. so for the most part, they just made them into kind of racing kind of games, and yeah. and they really were in tricks based. And Cool Borders is not a series that many people have a fondness for. It's yeah. it's a no. it's a bizarre inclusion. And again, this is another Sony-owned game, so that was probably a big reason why. And there weren't any like licensed borders that they had to work through. You know, mm-hmm. like in Tony yeah. Hawk's Pro Skater, um, where they had to deal with royalties and the like. But yeah. it was just a weird inclusion at all. Why would you include it at all if it hasn't aged well? And exactly. if you're going to include Cool Borders, just include Cool Borders 3 or Cool Borders 2001 yeah. or something yeah, along exactly. those lines. But that's the thing. Uh, if it, it just, it just felt, yeah. Yeah, if you're going to put in Ballerina Toshinden, put in Ballerina Toshinden 2. You know, it's, it's yeah, put in the better Or one. even 3. Or even 3, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah. yeah, Cool Borders 2 out. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put in, because I'm doing a bit of a like for like here, because I do like my sports games. So I'm putting in International Track and Field. Ooh. Um, Ooh. Okay. Interesting pick. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a very dark horse pick. <laughs> I know, right? So get the old get the old sock out, put it over your hands, and just get just get rubbing on those on that on that on those buttons. Yeah. No, but it's, I just found like when Oh I was, dude. Yeah, no, sorry, go for it. No, I was gonna say like the sock is <laughs> such a good idea. Cause we used to use our t shirts. 
Yeah. Like the ones we were wearing, you know, you like you'd put the controller next to your tummy and then, you know, <laughs> take your t-shirt and just fucking rub those buttons with the t-shirt in order to get the speed. If I had a sock, oh my god, so much sturdier. Yeah, that exactly. entire clip out of context is what I want. <laughs> Um, but I, I mean, the reason why I want to put it in is because I actually always had a lot of fun with my mates and even like the older games, uh, even when I was at uni, like we would always pick up like an Olympic space game just because it's just, you get the beers in you, you, and you just kind of, you just button mash for a, a half an hour. You completely destroy your thumb and it's, it's just good yeah. fun. Um, so yeah. Dude, wildly underrated, like completely. Un- we used to do the same thing. But we actually didn't, my friends and I, we didn't discover this because we were into the 2D fighting games. We played those almost exclusively and a few other like party games and stuff. But we didn't discover the pure joy of the Olympic button mashing game until the Dreamcast. (laughs) And I think it was like Decathlon or Decathlete on the Dreamcast. And I had a buddy who was like, yo, we got to play this. And we all laughed at him. And then we played it. And then we all laughed together, yeah. and it was <laughs> it was fantastic. I'm so glad you picked that. that. That's it's a really good pick, Dark Horse. But like, I totally agree. Um, right. Uh, sorry, number three. Uh, I'm going to remove the, the, the Jumping Flash. Um, so Ooh. honestly, it's another one of those. And I, I may be a bit harsh on the really older games on here, but I don't mm. have particularly fond memories of it. Playing it when my cousin brought it over, I just remember thinking like. Yeah. This controls badly because it's a it's a D-pad control. Um, mm. If I want yes. a platformer, I much preferred like Pandemonium at the time. I thought that was a bit more enjoyable. Um, yep. So jumping flashes off, um, and I would I would put Inspiro. If you're going to have a 3D platformer and you want a game that's right now like on the up in terms of like the Spyro trilogy, I would put Spyro in. It's hard to argue with that. I mean, Spyro was, I wouldn't call it iconic for the system, no. but it really definitely, it definitely filled a, like an additional, almost mascot, not really, but yeah. it was a really good title for that system. I think, I, like, I wonder if they didn't include Crash and Spyro just because I, of the Because of these trilogies. I, I believe so. I think so. Yeah. And and what I was going to say, and I'll make this, this quick argument, because you you talked about jumping flash. I don't have it on my list, but you just reminded me of something. Instead of Spyro, how about Klonoa? Ah, well, great well, one, Arnie. Great it's one. not your turn. I know. <laughs> no, well, but, I don't no, have that on my list. You just, I'm just reminded saying, me. If I you're going to replace that. jumping flash, how about you do Klonoa instead? No, okay. I'm going well, to change your mind. Argue with that. Yeah, yeah. Good shout. Good but, shout. But I think let me just talk about jumping flash. I mean. Jumping Flash is also another weird inclusion because even though it kind of has its own place in the PlayStation mm-hmm. canon, it's a game that is very representative of kind of like the nausea that can be caused by early <laughs> 3D games. And, you know, and it didn't have the analog support, so it's unwieldy to control and also kind of unsightly and, and not necessarily you know, a, a, a non-nauseating experience. It's it's a nauseating experience in a way. So I don't think that if you're looking at it with 20 years hindsight benefit, that this is going to be a game that says, oh, wow, the PlayStation was a great system. Yeah. So <laughs> so I think Jumping Flash is probably one of the worst games to represent that because for us, oh. we can look at it with a kind of a different perspective, but for the general public, they're going to say, what the hell is this? Yeah. And yeah, no, true. this makes me sick. 
so people, I'm not going to play it. If people are going to play it for 30 seconds and go, what was going on here, and just turn it off? Yeah, and it's a game it's... about a mechanized bunny. Um, yeah. yeah, it's 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 the epitome of niche, honestly. <laughs> I, I don't think that it was a very good choice, even though it has its own uh, you know, kind of value to it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, rain- so the, ooh, the next one, number four, Rainbow Six. Oof. Uh, I just, I, I can't, I just don't, I can't fathom how that game was even ever possibly on some sort of shortlist. I don't get it. How it wasn't. Who put that on? What's happened? There? I, I think it just kind of like they needed to, you know, they needed to fill out another game, and they were like, okay, which game can we just throw in there? And that was it. It was Rainbow Six. Ugh. Because to be honest, even back in the day, Rainbow Six received terrible reviews for the PlayStation port. Yeah, because yeah. it wasn't good. No. I mean, the PC Rainbow Six was, you know, seminal. It was a, a landmark piece for gaming, mm-hmm. but on the PS One, it was notorious for how bad the port was. Yeah, so I think they just need. I I think they just needed to include an FPS. I think they they looked at this list and they're like, we have to include an FPS. You know, they've been popular forever now. We got to pick one. Hey, let's pick Rainbow Six. Well, then you include Medal of Honor. I mean, that's no. That's really don't what you don't do. get ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not arguing in favor of Medal of Honor, but then, oh, okay. you know, it's better than Rainbow Six. It's it's better yeah. than Rainbow Six for sure. I mean, yeah. none of the FPS games on the PlayStation were good. No, none exactly. I mean, oh, I don't know about that. I think I think Power Slave was pretty good. It's exhumed in the UK. Um, was that on the I PlayStation? For the... What's that? Was that on the PlayStation? Yeah, yeah. Power Slave was on PlayStation and Saturn. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. How was okay? Now know. I'm not sure. I could be yeah. wrong. Wasn't but I know a, that. Wasn't oh, there? Oh shit! A, a you know what? Of, Maybe uh, it wasn't. Wasn't there a port of Doom on the PlayStation that wasn't terrible? Yeah, there was, and I'm looking yeah, at it, and it's yeah. not bad. It's not bad, but yeah. it's certainly not a, a modern <laughs> FPS. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So, no, no, it's not that. That's for sure. Yeah. So yeah, I'm so what would you replace six. it with, Jeff? <laughs> Medal of Honor. Um, <laughs> so the, I mean this is where it's like this isn't one of my favorite games it's not a fantastic FPS like you said and I guess my list is I can see what they're trying to do they're trying to hit all the different bases of all the different genres and I can see that they want to put an FPS on just like you guys said so I was thinking right which type of FPSs are ultimately the most popular and you're looking at World War 2 mm-hmm. and Medal of Honor actually had a really good representation I think of uh, some of the French resistance that was going on in during the Second World War, and it it, mm-hmm. it, it tells a relatively decent uh, uh, like narrative or story to, towards the war without over glorifying it, without it being here's Normandy beach landing and here's the same old battles you always have to battle and all this sort of stuff. So I just kind of felt like Medal of Honor. It's a decent. Um, it's, it's still sorry. It's still a well-known franchise. I think people, if they hear Medal of Honor, it still relates today. Um, yep. And World War Two, everyone likes, you know, fighting in World War Two, apart from the people who probably actually fought in World War Two. <laughs> I don't think they enjoyed <laughs> yeah, it. I, I, I mean, and it makes sense, Jeff. You know, when you consider that Battlefield Five is in World War Two, it's another. Mm-hmm. You know, timely game that you could say, well, we also have a World War Two game yeah. in the PlayStation Classic. I mean, a Medal of Honor. You know, if you play it today, I think the reason why it probably wasn't included is because it didn't. It, the PlayStation Classic does not have the analog support, but but you could play Medal of Honor without the analogs. I think that's that's not an issue at all. Um, but it's it's just a weird exclusion, and I don't think it would have been difficult at all to get that game on there. I mean, I, unless. 
Electronic Arts was not keen to license out the game. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. A bit. Of, I guess that's the thing. Is like I've. It's this very clear from the list that there are some companies who just didn't want to play with them on this, yeah. um, or they just kind of put a bar on on a price and Sony just weren't interested. But um, yeah, I, I it honestly, seems like Electronic Arts and Activision were not very keen on on any games. I mean, I don't see any representation there for those two companies. Yeah, I mean, like. Uh, this is a, a probably a bigger conversation, but I'm really surprised there isn't an uh, EU sp- uh, or European specific PlayStation list because we did like very different games to the US. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, I mean, I am, but I'm not surprised that there's a fi- there's no FIFA on here or yeah. uh, Pro Evolution or something like that. Be- but the thing, as soon as you put sports games, you run into all the issues with franchise and ownership mm-hmm. rights and. You know, you can't have Manchester United on here because you need to then pay them royalties, all sorts of things going on. So anyway, yeah. um, my last one, and this is this is probably really stems from exactly what I just said, but Twisted Metal, I'm taking that off my list. Wow. It, maybe it's me, but Twisted Metal just was not a hit over here. Um, it's I don't think it was ever really well received. It was In my mind, it was very much seen as like a US game. Um, yeah, and it's just like it just didn't make sense to people over here, and so like for me, it's just like I don't have any sort of affinity with it. Uh, you've already got Ridge Racer Type Four, so you've and you've got Destruction Derby, which are kind of yeah, kind of like I know Twisted Metal is not neither of those games, but it's still within that world. Um, so yeah, Twisted Metal cut. And if you're gonna include a Twisted Metal, you include Twisted Metal too. I mean, yeah. the original Twisted Metal was you know, a good representation of the PlayStation 1 at the very beginning, but Twisted Metal 2 was the apotheosis of the Twisted Metal franchise on the PS1. So yeah, absolutely. You, you don't include Twisted Metal 1. I mean, Twisted Metal 1 feels very limited compared to Twisted Metal 2. I mean, again, it's just bizarre decisions because Sony did not have to license any of this. They, they own it. So mm-hmm. why exactly would you not include the what is considered the best game in the franchise? Yeah, so it, I, it's just it's just a mind-boggling decision, and it's it's the same thing as Destruction Derby. Destruction Derby Two is better. It's mm-hmm. Very odd. Um, so yeah, what's what's going to go in the place of Twisted Metal? So I'm going to stick with another racer that's a bit violent. I'm going to go for Roll Cage. Oh wow! Oh wow! Dude, great yeah. pick. Um, mostly yeah. because it has next to well, it's very English in that it has one of the best soundtracks next to Wipeout. So there is yep. some like there's like Fatboy Slims on there and quite a few other DJs are on there. It's absolutely incredible, and it's... which is probably the reason why it's not on there. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. 100%. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's I... funny because Roll Cage because Roll Cage right now, yeah, they just release a spiritual successor, exactly. and then the team just released a spiritual successor to Roll Cage, which yep. is it kind of tells you that this was a game that that had a kind of a cult following in a way. So it's a very. Uh, I'm impressed with this dark horse picks, Jeff. That's I know, you know that's very Jeff's very bringing it. Yeah, yeah. So so that's my that's my five that I think would complement the other fifteen. I'm just going to do some quick honorary mentions, or or shall or shall we let you guys go through your yours first? No, go no, ahead. go for it. Go for it. <laughs> no, let's hit us with those. Okay, so Final Fantasy Nine, uh, Castlevania. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course. Uh, Tom B. Which one? Castlevania Chronicles? Oh, yeah. No. Well, to be fair, that's, that is a very good game. Um, uh, Symphony of the Night, Tom B. Okay. Resident Evil 2, 
Parasite Eve 2, Tomb Raider, Street Fighter Alpha 3, Crash Bandicoot 3, and International Superstar Soccer Pro Evolution. All right. There you go. I Very think out picks. of all of those, Pro Evo really should have been on. I mean, obviously yeah. Castlevania, right? And we're yeah. all going to say Castlevania. We all know that. But, I mean, Pro Evo also... It also kind of eludes the whole licensing thing. Like, yeah, all you it have did, to yeah. do is license it. So, like, why, why, why isn't that on the European released PlayStation Classic? Like, that is a good game. Exactly. Yeah. And you've already. I'm surprised got... that you said. Oh, I was just gonna say, I'm surprised you picked Parasite Eve two and not Parasite Eve one, considering it was never released in Europe. Uh, yeah, true, true, true. That would have been a nice one because we got Final Fantasy VI through the classic, and we never received, we never got oh. that. So yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe so, maybe one would be nice just for like a personal. But Parasite Eve two was a really good game. Uh, yeah, yeah, but that's what I mean. Fair that's, enough. That's what I mean by like I, I, like the European list might have included just some slightly different games if there were no licensing issues. Um, mm-hmm. But I love. I mean, I'm a major football soccer fan, so I would have loved. I would have loved to have had uh, Pro Evo on there. That would have been incredible. Yeah, I think that would have been. I think that would have been an obvious inclusion, personally. But I mean, you know, I don't work for Sony, so there you go. <laughs> um, Arnie, your turn, buddy. So I I took a little bit of a different approach than uh, Jeff did in that the replacements I have. The way I looked at it was, I think that there are some specific genres that are missing from the PlayStation classic that I think are, are a shame. So some of my replacements aren't direct replacements, but just things that I thought would improve the console. So starting off with the obvious choice. So first thing I'd remove is Tom Clancy, like for for sure. Um, I don't think I would replace it with an FPS though. I think that there is a lack of shoot 'em ups on the PS Classic, especially looking at the Japan game list, they have about two or three of them. So I yeah, want to put yep, Einhander yep. where yeah. uh, Tom Clancy's <laughs> is. I want to put Einhander there. So Einhander would be my first pick. Uh, well, that's because... one of my honorary mentions, so I'm glad that you included it on yeah. it because that that is a fantastic. I think the best shmup on yes. the on the PlayStation. Personally. I think it does. I think it does a couple things. One, it's an excellent game. Two, not a lot of people have played it, um, if I'm being honest with myself. And three, it's very expensive. So to have it on the PlayStation Classic solves my problem of having to buy Einhander eventually. Um, The next one I remember... And the thing with Einhander is that, again, as you said, it's expensive now. So it would be such a great opportunity for people to experience it that it's just kind of a failed a failed opportunity. I mean, and they already yeah. licensed Final Fantasy VII with Squaresoft, so, mm-hmm. you know, couldn't you just go the extra mile and just put that in there? Um, I mean, that's that's the way I felt about Revelations Persona being on there, is that, I mean, that's a $120 game that, you know, if I was ever going to buy the PlayStation Classic, it would probably be to play Revelations Persona on it. Um, so I think doing something with, with Einhander, especially when you don't have any shoot-em-ups on the system to begin with, I think would have been very nice on their end. Um, Next one, Cool Borders 2. um, And obviously I'm going to replace it with Tony Hawk. I think, you know, obviously there's licensing issues there, but I think the real problem is the music licensing more so than the royalties because most of these skaters are not nowhere near like as famous as they were when this game came out. I don't think you'd be paying a huge amount to license their, their image to use Tony Hawk's. I think it really is the music licensing 
um, that's killing that one. But Tony Hawk's, to me, is the epitome of a sports game, in quotations. Um, so would you do one or two? I would I would go for one, just because mm-hmm. I have more of an attachment to it. Interesting. Uh, but I think that two is arguably the better game. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think if you're going to have a sports game on there, if it's not a traditional sports game, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater is a must. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, but it's funny, though. I was uh, reading an interview with one of the skaters that was on Pro Skater 1, mm-hmm. and uh, I forget his name. Uh, yeah, Kareem. Kareem Campbell. Oh, gotcha. um, And he says that he still gets checks every now and then from Tony Hawk. <laughs> oh, wow. So, um, so I suppose that, you know, the skaters could have done with a little bit of money from, you know, putting it on the on the PS1 Classic. Yeah. Um, but, but like I said, but, I don't think they would demand, like... I don't think it would have been that expensive to license the skaters. The music might be a, a different story. I don't know what Black Flag is is charging up front for their music <laughs> these days. I but think, again, uh, I mean, Activision does not have any representation here. Yeah. And Activision is not only Tony Hawk, but also Crash and Spyro, uh, mm-hmm. because they got the, the rights to it from Universal yeah. uh, after the PS1 era. So yeah. it probably was an Activision issue. They probably didn't want to deal with the negotiations on the legal, you know, tangles that you would have to get involved with in order yeah. to put no, it on the certain system. Not. Is is I mean, I could, is, is, yeah. is skateboarding still is it still in? Because I mean, during the I mean, Tony Hawk Pro Skater Three, I think was was my favorite of that whole series. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about sixteen years ago. Is skateboarding yeah. still? Uh, uh, you know, do you, you think it would like entice people to get it? I think I, it's making I, a comeback. Yeah, I think uh, it's kind of like a 20-year itch where the people that grew up with skateboarding are kind of now picking it back up. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think because of that, it's kind of making a comeback. My my argument would be, I don't think it'd be the skateboarding necessarily, just the nostalgia of, of Tony Hawk's yeah, yeah, like, yeah. pro skater, just in general. Because that was a game that everybody played. Like, everybody that I knew definitely played it. But even people who... I know have never skateboarded or never enjoyed skateboarding play Tony Hawk's and, and, and have a fondness for it. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And especially yeah. with the disappointing returns that the Tony Hawk series has had lately, like Tony Hawk's pro skater five, I heard was not great. Um, all the spinoff like downhill jam and ride and you know, all this stuff um, have not been doing well or did not do well when they released. So I think going back to, you know, the original Tony Hawks would have been would have been nice on the PlayStation. And uh, and let's not forget, I think I think we might be a little bit naive thinking we're negotiating with the athletes. I can tell you, Tony Hawk will have an agent. Oh, Tony Hawk will definitely will be, be a different money. story. But like <laughs> Tony Hawk will probably be like, yeah, and... whatever. I've got loads of money. But yeah. the agent will be like, no, 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 no. I want to wet my beak here. You guys yeah. better pay up. Yeah. No, I'm I'm talking more about like the other guys, like Chad Muska and like you know Bob Burnquist and like all Who? these people. <laughs> that I'm like I'm speaking Martian to you right now. I understand that, but that's exactly my point. Is like I'm not talking about like you know storied athletes of our generation. I know, I know. It, it I, I I agree with you. It probably wouldn't. It probably wouldn't take a king's ransom to yeah. get. Uh, What'd you say, Chad Lundquist? <laughs> Chad Muska. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, so this this next one's a bit going to be a bit controversial, but I think Ozzy will have my back on it. Um, Grand Theft Auto. I take Grand Theft Auto out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Grand Theft Auto's gone, um, and in its place, 
I have one that I think Paul will appreciate because there's also no strategy games on the PS Classic. So Final Fantasy Tactics goes um, in Grand Theft Auto's place. I, I clearly see... will agree. Yeah, yeah agree I want to see some, yeah. some strategy representation on the PS1. It wasn't a big... I don't think it was a huge genre on, on it, but I think you want to have a little bit of... A, in my in my opinion, it's better to be more rounded. And I think Grand Theft Auto doesn't really do anything for anyone. I think people know Grand Theft Auto for Grand Theft Auto 3 and Grand Theft Auto Vice City and San Andreas and beyond. I don't think people are clamoring to play the original GTA on, you know, the PlayStation 1. Well, this is uh, yep. coming off the back of our GTA episode, and uh, we talked yeah. about it at length there. And they're just not games that have aged well. Mm-hmm. They, they weren't games that aged well when they came out. I mean, they were already dated when they came out. I mean, the 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 gameplay systems were revolutionary, you know, in terms of the freedom it allowed you. But but the way that it was presented was automatically dated. Um, yeah. So I, it's a mind-boggling decision as to why Grand Theft Auto the original was included, other than name recognition. Just a hundred percent name recognition. Well, yeah, I, like... I, I think that's a big difference between this and then the, the SNES Mini, where, like, say if you play Final Fantasy fifteen now, if you go and, and you you know and you enjoy your Final Fantasy, as you go back and play Final Fantasy six, you'll be like, oh yeah, like I can see where how it's evolved, but actually this style is still engaging, is still interesting, mm-hmm. there's still a great story, and it's playable. This is still a very very playable game. I think G- yeah. GTA five. You then jump back to GTA. Most people are going to go, "What is going on? This is <laughs> this isn't this isn't the same game. Why can't I go and pick up that hooker and all that sort of?" It's like, wait a minute. This is. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's moved so far. I think a lot of people will go back to GTA because GTA was on 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 the edge of being cut from my list as well. Of like, yeah, I I think a lot of people would play it after a minute, realize I'm just going to stick GTA Five on. Um, I don't yeah. need, don't need to play this. What would you include then, Artie? In in GTA's place, uh, Final yes. Fantasy Tactics is the one okay. that I, that I okay. said I put in there. Um, yeah, it's it's weird that they don't have any strategy RPGs in there. It, yeah. it it seems like such a missed opportunity. And and if you were trying to go for the hardcore gamers, I mean, Final Fantasy Tactics itself that's at least a hundred hours that a gamer will put into that. I was about to that, say, and it also gives you a lot of bang for your buck. Like you're gonna yeah, put like, serious time into Final Fantasy Tactics. Like that's a that's a game that you know makes the entire purchase worth it. Because yeah. you just get so much bang for your buck. Yeah. Um, the next one I have on my list is Destruction Derby. Um, mostly because I I never played Destruction Derby, um, and it just doesn't doesn't seem doesn't appeal to me very much. I don't know if there's a big Destruction Derby community that I'm pissing off right now. <laughs> Probably. Um, but. <laughs> So originally I had uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night on on here to replace Destruction Derby, but if I if I'm being honest with myself and I want to be fair to people, I don't think that a system that was as racer heavy as the PlayStation should just get a single racing entry in Ridge Racer. So I think you would either have to put Gran Turismo or you would have to put uh, Wipeout on there. I would I would lean more towards Wipeout. Because I'm not a huge racing fan, especially not simulation racing. But obviously, Gran Turismo is like one of the tent poles of the PlayStation One era. Yeah, and Gran Turismo, you get into the same issues there with car licensing. I, yeah. I can't yeah. imagine how much of a nightmare that would be. Yeah. I, it would no, just it's, it's, not be worth it. I mean, yeah, Gran Turismo. It's not possible. I, I always knew that that was not going to be 
possible. Mm. I, I always knew that there was no way that they could have included that in there. But it's it's um, still, I mean, even the, the, the one that came out the other year, it's still by the same developer and it's still published by Sony, mm. right? I believe so. Yeah. Mm. It is published by Sony, but you had to license all the cards. The individual yeah. cards, You had to yeah. deal with all the card manufacturers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so, but, but with Gran Turismo, I mean, if, if licensing was not an issue, it absolutely had to be in there, if yeah. licensing was not an issue, because Gran Turismo literally changed the game. Sure, it, you it know, did. There was a clear demarcation point between the arcade racing games of the time and the simulation racers that we now know and that are kind of like the mainstream racing games of, of its kind. Uh, yeah. The Forces no, and the like. So it was, Gran Turismo it was, was shocking, absolutely dude. necessary. Yeah, Absolutely shocking game at the time. Like, it did to racing games, like, what Nirvana did to hair bands. <laughs> In all seriousness, right? Like, when Gran Turismo came along, I was like, well, I can't play another arcade-style racing game again. It's not no. real. Yeah. And I mean, and, and you know, I, like, like I said, if you can't get Gran Turismo, I don't understand why you don't immediately pivot to Wipeout. Because I think Wipeout was the other big yeah, yeah. sort of racer on the console, you know, in, yeah. a, in a sea of of good racing games, obviously, because the the PlayStation One, I feel like, leaned on racing games as 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 a cornerstone of its library for a time, um, and I think Wipeout is is among the top there. Yeah. Um, and then, last but not least, uh, we have Battle Arena Toshinden. So. Taking out Battle Arena Toshinden. Now, what's on my list is Legend of Dragoon. <laughs> Be- one, because I am an RPG whore and I, I want more RPGs on this thing. But two, because Legend of Dragoon is a Sony-developed and published game. Yeah, it's a bizarre yeah. mission. It's How... Sony's Sony's big RPG franchise, I, uh, at least for the PS1. I don't... It doesn't... I. I I don't understand. Like, I wasn't expecting it to be on there because I was like, well, it's, you know, it's it's sort of niche and it's an RPG. I don't know how many RPGs are going to be on this system. But then when I saw Persona on there, I was like, if you're going to put a, 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 an RPG as niche as Persona on there, even though the series is popular now, it was not when it originally came out on the PlayStation, how are you going to not put what I would consider to be the best RPG that you yourself have developed as a company for this system. Well, and, and to be honest, I mean, if it, we could take out a bunch of games out of this thing. I mean, yes. Battle Arena Toshinden, like, for sure, you can take it out. But if it had a better lineup, if the PS1 Classic had a better lineup, then you could take out Wild Arms and just put Legend of Dragoon in there. Because Wild yes. Arms was okay that. for its time, but... Yeah. But it's not a revolutionary game, and it's not necessarily a game that has aged all that well. Yes. But Legend of Dragoon, you know, with its pre-rendered graphics and, you know, kind of sprawling CG-heavy uh, presentation, it's still a game that impresses in some ways. So yeah. you could... But, but, but again, this speaks to how poor the lineup is, that you were taking out five, but you could still take off, like, five more if you yeah. wanted to. Absolutely, and I and I will say I I do know there are big Wild Arms fans there, and Wild Arms is is a storied series. You know, it had about five six main console games, um, so I know that people still love that game. But if we're if we're talking in a situation where a lot of these games were like Sony clearly took the easy way out by putting games that they developed or they published on here to avoid paying uh fee uh, uh royalties or or uh paying out to other companies. 
why wouldn't you put your RPG on there? I, I, it just baffles me. Um, so that's my, that's my heart replacement. But if I'm, if I'm pivoting to replacing Battle Arena Toshinden with a, with a fighter, I was leaning towards Soul Blade because I do think it is the best weapons-based fighter on the platform. But I think Soul Calibur did it better on the Dreamcast. Um, so I would go with Bushido Blade as my mm. like my wow. eye for eye replacement yeah, great game. because i think i think bushido blade at least for me is is a more interesting concept like i yeah. like the frenetic feel of the one hit kills and the body damage system i like i like the way that feels playing against friends i um i think i'm going to disagree with you and i think i've talked about this on the podcast before hmm. bushido blade is one of those games that was a great great idea in theory and we were yeah. really excited for it but in reality, when I played against my friends, it was there's no <laughs> clock. Like the problem with that game is there's no clock. Yeah. So we would we would just turtle. Like we'd run away. We were always <laughs> afraid to go at each other because of the one hit kills. And well, you need on more, top of you that, need more aggressive friends, Paul. Well, we need to not be a bunch of wusses. That's fine. <laughs> All you know, Canadians. I, I agree. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> oh my God. We're really fulfilling that stereotype. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the other problem we bought this amazing fighting game, but none of us want to fight each other. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you crazy. Guys. And the other thing too is that the uh, uh-huh. the hit detection yeah. in it yeah. was was awful. Like that that hit detection. I just remember us being like, "What just happened? I don't I don't get it." <laughs> and so yeah, between between the conceptual kind of almost got, all it needed was a clock man if you have a clock then i get it you yeah. know feudal era japan when they had duels there wasn't someone standing there with a timer <laughs> that's cool but you know we have to make allowances for making a better game yeah um but that that i think if i if i went with my gut that would have been the one i would i would have put instead of arena toshinden as far as as, as... definitely a better inclusion than toshinden yeah I, I'll, I'll give it that <laughs> Um, as far as honorable mentions, I've got a few. I had to stop myself at some point because I started realizing how sad I was making myself by writing down all these games I wish wrong. <laughs> um, but there's a few. Uh, Silent Hill. Um, if I'm being honest, oh, I man. think I might have. I'll, I'll talk about it. So, yeah. so maybe we can we can yeah. keep that to our um, Chrono Cross. I know Ozzy uh, is not a fan of that. Uh, Vagrant Story, Crash Bash. Um, I think there's no party game on the. Uh, on the PlayStation Classic, I think Crash Bash would have been a good a good inclusion. Dude, absolutely. Um, Dino Crisis. Uh, I had Parappa the Rapper on here. I understand why that one's not on there. The uh, I think the the rhythm detection has always been shoddy on Parappa, and putting it on, especially when it's emulated. So putting it on the PlayStation Classic would have probably been a terrible idea. Um, Medieval, um, Skull Monkeys, um, Klonoa, obviously. Um, and I think that's about it, uh, Vagrant Story, um, and then it just becomes, like, RPG, so then it's, like, Lunar and Grandia and, you know, all this <laughs> crazy shit, um, but no, there's, there's a lot, oh, and before I forget, because nobody's ever gonna talk about this, my, uh, heart, my secret childhood pick, uh, Monster Rancher 2 on the PlayStation 1. I <laughs> fucking love Monster Rancher 2. It was one of You're the games the only one, man. that I got as a kid and I played the shit out of it. I was never any good at it. Like I would always lose and my monster would die never having won anything. Um but I love 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 playing Monster Rancher 2. So that was my last one. Um I happened to notice that you mentioned Vagrant Story twice. Oh, yes. 
Apologies. Because it deserves to be at the top, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, Ozzy and I are going to make our picks. Alrighty, and we're back. And uh, next, we're going to go to Ozzy. Ozzy, let's hear some picks. All right, so I think uh, for the most part, you guys have mentioned all the games that I would take off. I would probably take off, like, honestly, 15 of the games that are on there, I would probably take off. <laughs> of 20. Um, I, I was extremely... Not Mr. Driller. Well, I mean, the Mr. Driller is one of the more I inspired like picks. Yeah. It's one of the more inspired picks out of them all. But that was, for the most part, not what they did. Um, but I, I was really it's no secret that I was very underwhelmed. I mean, underwhelmed is kind of a, a very subtle understatement. I, I was extremely, extremely disappointed with this. Uh, You're with such this a curmudgeon. Lineup. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I, I had to fill that role. Uh, that's it's, his, my... it's his original system. He's, he's attached to it. I understand that. I, I, uh, Paul, I've kind of, you know, bought into that role. I'm, I'm perfectly happy being the heel here. Um, I don't have any issues with that. I will be a curmudgeon for a day. Um, but yeah, I hated this lineup. I thought it was absolute crap. Um, but, you know, a lot of the titles you've already talked about. It, so I was first take off Rainbow Six because I already mentioned how fucking mm. stupid that inclusion was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I have, to, I have to curse for that one. Uh, that was just I'm like, so what happy. the hell were you guys smoking? Um, and of course, I would include Symphony. And I know that Symphony of the Night is not included because Castlevania Requiem came out. Mm-hmm. But... Considering how much Konami botched that release of Castlevania Requiem, considering that it was a port of the PSP release, you know, we really needed Symphony on here. And it was a game that, if you're talking about 2D representation, it's the the, the, the pinnacle of 2D gaming on, on not just on the PS1, on almost any system. It's one of the best 2D games, top three 2D games of all time. And it's it's such a value game in terms of how much gameplay it gives you because you know when you realize that you could play the entire game in the upside down castle it just you know mm-hmm. an entire other game opens up for you so it's a deep kind of RPG mechanics based game with 2D gameplay so if you were trying to compete I mean and, and I guess I should mention my kind of criteria for this games for me it was kind of like I'm trying to compete with the SNES Classic. I'm trying to compete yeah. with Nintendo. And so you need to have a blow-for-blow blow yeah. with Nintendo. Yeah. So for Nintendo, you had Super Metroid. You know, you have to have the other part of the Metroidvania. The other exactly. And that's exactly. Symphony of the Night. So why would you not include Symphony of the Night? And even now, where you have the Castlevania series kind of coming through and becoming popular and people really talking about Castlevania and Alucard... Mm-hmm. You know, Symphony of the Night is such a no-brainer that one of us was going to talk about it sooner or later, but oh, I yeah. might as well just include it there. It's it's just, it's the most bizarre omission out of all of them. But again, it's because of Konami, most likely. But yeah. it's just such a shame. Mm. An unconscionable miss. Yeah. Like, 
just just throw money at them include it like it is a seminal game you yeah. have to have it on that system do you yeah. do you I, think I, if if we got this a, two years ago that we would have castlevania on here considering konami i know they possibly because they, they don't want to they don't want to like you know eat up their own sales yeah possibly but i also think that, that this was an issue probably with konami i think konami was probably one of the 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 publishers that weren't willing to play ball because well, I don't, I don't see any other Konami representation I just, there. I, I, this is, this is. Where I my, mean, Metal I'm... Gear is on there, so there. Oh yes, Metal yeah. Gear is on there. But I think, I, what I would say is, I think that the same thing happened with Activision. What I, what I would say, if I, and, and clearly this is all speculation, but I would think that maybe Sony went to them with the intention of getting Spyro and Crash, and Activision was like, "You can have anything else, but these are off the table because we're." sort of doing something with them right now and then sony was like well well, then we don't want anything whereas with konami i could see them being like we'll give you metal gear but symphony of the night is is not on the table because we're putting out this release you know what i mean yeah i think that's most likely what happened honestly i mean metal gear they're not doing anything with it now so metal gear solid 5 and survive already came out and i don't think they're doing anything with the first metal gear so there's like you know it's no skin off their off their bones Mm -hmm. you know so I just, I, it, it really baffles me because you see how well the other two, well, maybe definitely not the Neo Geo Mini, but the two Nintendo Minis have sold. I'm struggling to see completely the whole picture here of if you could get this mini PlayStation into the hands of millions, potentially, and millions of people who loved the PlayStation, who were like in their 30s, who can happily drop $100 or however much it costs over, the, you know, like £80, happily drop that to pick up Gran Turismo 2 because that's exactly what my brother would do. Mm-hmm. Why have these companies not thought, hey, look, um, we need to keep people interested in, in our franchises. We need to keep people at least connected to our franchises. Although, like, uh, people who buy the Mini, they might not buy the Crash, the, the remake, at least it gets a generation of people playing Crash Bandicoot again. Their kids are playing Crash Bandicoot again, and it's going to want them to pick up the new stuff. I just think that it's, from a marketing perspective and from potential future sales, I would think that this would be a no-brainer of getting your current franchises back into the homes, back onto people's TVs, and get them thinking mm. about their, your, your, your games again. It's... I just whether it's Sony's side of being really firm on what they're spending on the on the licenses or on the on the or the publishers on the EA side, for example, of kind of going, no, 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 um, you know, we we want to protect our our like you know our franchises. It, I, mm-hmm. I'm struggling to see the big picture. Well, yeah. but but what's frustrating about this is that a lot of these games are already on the PlayStation Store. They're already yeah. on the PlayStation Network, yeah, so presumably they've already dealt with the licensing before. But beyond that, I mean, I think it just kind of reinforces the idea that this was a cash-in for, for Sony. Yes, I don't really yeah. think that they put their heart into it. And it was just like, all right, get someone to come up with a list and make sure that it's not too expensive and let's see how it does. Yeah. You know, let's see how it goes. I don't and, think that, it wasn't like Nintendo where it was a very curated labor of love. Yeah. At least that's how it felt. When I looked at the SNES classic lineup, I said almost every single one of those games is a classic. I mean... Maybe Kirby's Dream Course, yeah. you know, you could have, you could take it or leave it. But that's about it. You know, every and, single one of those games is a classic. Yeah, and I will say not to not to derail your, your list, Ozzy, but I think that, you know, what you said is, is very true when you said, you know, I, this list is garbage. I don't, I don't necessarily think it's is as bad as I originally thought it was, but I think that it shows a lot that 
Sony, when they announced this thing, only announced five of the games on it because I think they weren't confident in the list either. So I think they that that always rubbed me the wrong way that they announced sort of these five big games that are coming on it, got a whole bunch of pre-orders, and then once the once the deadline was a little bit closer, they're like, here's the full list. And yeah, they we're probably seeing, were still negotiating their licenses. I, they probably were still negotiating the final list as well. I, I could see that, but I think if, if that's the case, then I think you wait a little bit longer to release the the entire list. You know what I'm saying? I I yeah. just I don't know. I think we're seeing it a lot with a lot of people canceling their pre order, um, but I think there's a lot of people that also just aren't aren't going to think about it. You know, they already plopped down the hundred dollars and they're like, oh well, I'll just get it when it comes out. Um, so I think it says a lot about the fact that Sony was not willing to release. If not every game, then every game they had negotiated up to that point when they originally announced this thing. Okay, so for my next one, take off Cold Borders 2. We've already talked about that at length. <laughs> and uh, I would insert Crash Team Racing because Ooh, mm-hmm, the reality yep. is that if you have the SNES Classic, you have Mario Kart. And why okay. not include the only other kart racer that has been considered? That and, and Diddy Kong, Race, Diddy Kong yeah. Racing has been considered kind of a a worthy competitor to the Mario Kart franchise. And if you want to have a party game, Crash Team Racing is it. So I would include that. Yeah, great pick. Great pick. Um, So for next one, I would take out Destruction Derby. Uh, I think that Destruction Derby is fine and all. I think it's it's a good game. But I don't really think it feels any particular role here. It's not a game that people look back fondly on as arnie may have mentioned i mean mm-hmm. there probably are some destruction derby fans but i don't think that there are many that look back fondly upon that game and i would insert another Cynosis game and that's wipeout excel and again we've gone over the licensing issues but yeah. you could include the original wipeout but the original wipeout is tough as nails it's so yeah. brutal yeah. I, I, if you go back to it you will stop playing it within five minutes because you're going to realize that you're terrible at it but <laughs> yeah. wipeout excel the difficulty was a little bit more balanced it had more tracks it just felt a lot more polished. So that was a sequel. But you could go either Wipeout XL or Wipeout 3. Either of those two are good choices. And also, they're games that would be a huge hit in Europe. Because maybe they weren't the case in, in North America. They weren't as, as big of a hit. But in Europe, the Wipeout franchise was absolutely massive. Um, particularly considering that the Omega Collection came out recently. It's a great opportunity to include... A game like Wipeout in there and it feels that futuristic racing role that mm. Jeff would have filled it with roll cage I think Wipeout Excel would be it so I think yeah. that not including it was a huge miss it's 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 really crazy when you look at um, some of the games that that basically like we were saying earlier they, they made the PlayStation that's what made it stand out above all the others. Well, all the, the, the other three at the time. But this is what kind of put it above in some in some categories. And if you think you're going to put out a console that's going to celebrate the best of what that console gave people at that time, it is very strange that Wipeout's not on it because I would have thought that'd be a very easy game to to get to get the license for, considering they basically were they were they were in in bed with Sony through the nineties. You know, this, well, yeah. and I'm also I'm also wondering now. We talk a lot about music licensing and the like, and that's probably a big reason why Wipeout wasn't on there. But you also have to realize that a lot of this music was actually owned by Sony. So mm-hmm. Sony has a big music publishing arm. It's one of the biggest. 
So maybe what we talk about the difficulties is not really a big issue at all. It's just they didn't want to go through the headaches of it. That's I'm true. having That's to point. go with another yeah. Sony division. But I've, I mean, what, I've, I've never worked for a Japanese company, but the, the, what I do here is that they, they are very much a case of this is, this is your box and you work within it. Don't worry about what the other division are doing. This is what you need to do. So I can imagine like Sony Entertainment or play, the PlayStation division never mm-hmm. ever talks to Sony Records. Like, yeah, it's, comp- it's very it's very possible. Yeah. yeah. Sadly, a, a better podcast would have done some research on this <laughs> and uh, known the answers beforehand. But here we are. No, but I don't even our think. Special guest. I don't even think that, that this is something that would be known, even if we researched it. I mean, I know, I'm, I'm have, kidding, of course. Unless yeah. we have someone, you know, inside PlayStation and we're kind of finding a scoop here. But I don't think it's really been disclosed as to the reasons why some of these were, were not included. But yeah. I don't well, know. I think I think Wipeout is a great franchise. It's one that for the last decade, Sony has treated very poorly at times. I mean, they did close Sony Liverpool, which used to be Cygnosis, and mm-hmm. and that was a big shame. Um, but I think Wipeout is really something that is emblematic of PlayStation, mm-hmm. so you you absolutely needed to have it in there. Yeah. But going on to the next one, I would take off Battle Arena to Shinden. Again, we've talked about this and the <laughs> reasons why. And uh, I would include Street Fighter Alpha 3. And the reason for that is, again, using my criteria of competing with the SNES, if you have Street Fighter 2 um, hyper turbo fighting whatever <laughs> the one they included and there yes um if you have it on the snes then you need a good 2d fighter representation and there aren't any 2d fighters on the classic lineup yeah. um so alpha 3 has a huge roster just an absolutely massive roster and it's one of the best street fighter games um uh, i think it's up there it's street fighter 2 street fighter 3 and street fighter alpha 3 those are i would say probably the best you know classic street fighter games so alpha 3 is just such a good representation and i think capcom was willing to play ball so why wouldn't they include alpha 3 and i think that's also pertains to the fact that the street fighter collection came out recently maybe they didn't want capcom didn't want you know the classic you know biting into their market share perhaps but it's it's a huge miss I, I completely agree with Street Fighter Alpha 3. That was one of the ones I was considering for for a while. I think that Sony is sort of trying to s- distance itself from the 2D fighters in the same way that they're trying to see, like, the PlayStation 1 was the 3D machine. Here's the birth of, like, 3D fighters, like, being popularized. But it, bringing up Street Fighter Alpha 3 also sort of reminded me of a game that I didn't really talk about, didn't really think of, is Marvel vs. Capcom. Um, oh but that one would have been a nightmare oh i mean absolutely it would never be on there but i'm just saying like that was another really big 2d fighter for the ps1 that you know sort of escaped my mind up until now yeah i mean that that's that means you would have to deal with disney now i mean and and we know (laughs) about the fact that marvel versus capcom 2 has been pulled from like digital storefronts Mm -hmm. and the like because the licenses have expired so Uh, I, that would have been impossible to get, honestly. Yeah. But yeah. a man can dream, Ozzy. A, a man, man can, can dream. dream. <laughs> a man can dream. And so let me carry over into the last pick before I go into some honorary mentions. Uh, I will take off Grand Theft Auto. And I think, as, as we have mentioned, it's not a game that has H wall at all, and there's no reason to include it there. Mm-hmm. And I would insert another M-rated game, and that's Silent Hill. Yeah. yeah. I think yep. that, you know, another Konami franchise and... To me, it's kind of the perfect representation about how PlayStation really did, did mature storytelling and how it managed to create genres that were not 
you know, really prevalent before, and that was the psychological horror thriller. Mm-hmm. And Silent Hill is a game that to this day you could play and still have a very terrifying experience. Yeah. So yep. the fact that it's not there, you know, we do have Resident Evil, but, you know, I consider Resident Evil and Silent Hill to be two worlds apart. They're mm-hmm. still part of the same genre in a way, but they're very much a different breed of, of survival horror. Yeah. Uh, Silent Hill is much more psychological in, in scope. So... I think, you know, it's unfortunate that it wasn't there because a lot of people were probably expecting that one. And I don't know the reasons why. Probably Konami being a pain. But, <laughs> you know, and, and the fact that they treat Silent Hill like the redheaded stepchild. Um, but, you know, it's unfortunate that it's not there. I really I really miss that not being on the on the classic. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's 100%. It, it should be there. I agree with everything you said, Ozzy. And I don't even know why I'm talking. I have nothing to add. Like, you hit it perfectly. <laughs> Yeah, well, and you could I guess, get, and you could uh, get some of those PT people who who were pissed off that that game never came out and be like, "Well, come back and and play the original Silent Hill." Well, well maybe that's <laughs> Konami, you know, because they, you know, treated PT like crap. That's probably yeah. why they didn't want to include Silent Hill. They're still holding a a Japanese grudge against Silent Hill. So I don't know. I don't know what the hell is going on in that company anymore. Yeah. Um, it, it breaks my heart every time I think about it uh, because they used to be my favorite company because they put out so much quality content. Yeah. But, and I'll, you know. I'll mention as well, Ozzy, in, in the lead up to this episode, because originally you weren't going to be available, and I was chatting with one of our Instagram friends, uh, Louise Hines, and uh, eventually she wasn't able to make it, but she said, listen, I'm not able to make it, but please, I want you to ask one question. And then she wrote in capital letters, where the fuck is Silent Hill? <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's right. She's absolutely right. But in any case, let me go through some honorary mentions and maybe we could spar a little bit of conversation with them. Um, very, very dark horse pick, In the Hunt. Um, hey. I think In the Hunt would be a terrific inclusion because... That is a black stallion of a pick. Uh, yeah, absolutely. A, black, a dark horse. But listen, if you're going <laughs> to include Intelligent Cube and Mr. Driller, why not include In the Hunt? That's it's yeah. a predecessor to Metal Slug. And it's a super impressive game graphically in terms of 2D graphics. And very fun, extremely tough as nails, but but very, very fun. And just fast-paced action. So I think it's it's a very good game to include because it has aged so well all things yeah. considered because the the gameplay is so timeless so in the hunt is probably one that you know maybe i wouldn't include but it's an honorary mention that you yeah. could include in there and i wouldn't be i wouldn't be pissed off about it as i am with all the other 15 games on there um <laughs> and uh sweet Coden too Ooh, talking yeah. about Konami. Ooh, yeah yeah i mean a- another game that's super expensive and you know if you included it in there i think that would justify the purchase price for a lot of people Mm -hmm. Um, i agree it's supposed to be the best game in that series i personally have only played the first five hours i played through suikoden one and i loved it uh but suikoden two i mean it 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 would have made the purchase worth it just by having that one in there yeah and it's a very mature storytelling the storyline is supposed to be fantastic and again another game that has aged well because there's so much beautiful sprite work and And it's it's very expensive and that is one that if i'm being honest you could probably put in place of persona um they just picked another expensive ps1 niche rpg (laughs) but suikoden 2 would be a much better fit um for that lineup yeah i mean and another one if i had to include another rpg which i would love would be xenogears 
Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Xenoblade Chronicles 2 came out recently, and in that game, it was revealed that all the Xeno games are connected, which we kind of all, you know, imagined, but mm. it was confirmed in that game. And, you know, recently Square Enix released a, a celebration of Xeno Gears because it's a 20 year release. So I think that the Square would have been very keen on, on including something Xenogears related. So I think to not have that is a big miss. Um, and it's a game that, look, it, it's a game that's very polarizing. It's mm. not a game that I have beaten because it's such, a, it's such a rough around the edges title. But it has beautiful anime cutscenes. It has, to me, Yasunori Mitsuda's best soundtrack work of all time. Mm. Uh, absolutely his best, even compared to Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross. And uh, it's a it's a cool game because it has mechs and it has martial arts. It's it has this you know Jungian psychoanalysis and Sigmund <laughs> Freudian psychoanalysis and and religious imagery. It's such a bizarre game that it's 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 just a weird game that you know just every gamer should experience at the very least. Um, just another two to round it out. Harvest Moon Back to Nature. Just because you need a crack cocaine game in there, um, <laughs> which, which which it is. I mean, you include this game, and literally, you will have people addicted for months and months and months. Particularly considering that something like Stardew Valley is so popular right now. Just yeah. include Harvest Moon in there. I lost so many hours, days, weeks of my life to this game that you know. I I, I think that it really plays well to like the female demographic, not to like stereotype, but. You know, Harvest Moon is big with the female players, so mm-hmm. why not why not cater to that a little bit? Um, I mean, I'm I'm a male player and I absolutely love it, so yeah. why not? So, and another last one, uh, Legacy of King Soul Reaver. Um, oh, I wouldn't include this, yeah. I I wouldn't include Tomb Raider because Tomb Raider aged like crap, yeah. but Soul Reaver ha- I think has aged well, and it's a very cool storyline. It's a very edgy yeah. storyline, and it kind of really shows off how PlayStation did you know, franchises that were catered to a more adult-oriented uh, demographic. And I think it's it's a game that has aged very well, and, and it has great voice acting um, and a very cool gothic atmosphere. So I would definitely, you know, mention Legacy of Kane's Soul Reaver. Yeah. Can I get a cool. quick opinion on a game that I'm surprised you did not talk about? Okay, go uh, ahead. Darkstalkers. Oh, I would love Darkstalkers, but that's I, I put Street Fighter Alpha 3 in there, so yeah. I wouldn't have included Darkstalkers just because of that. But Darkstalkers, Darkstalkers 3 would have been a, an absolutely great choice if they had to include it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have any issues at all with including Darkstalkers. Okay. Cool. I guess I guess we'll get to mine, eh? Yeah. <laughs> um, in listening to all your guys' picks, I'm very happy. Um, mine are quite different, Ooh. and not because I was trying to be different. I mean, I I don't know. I guess I was. I You're don't just know. Just contrarian. 
<laughs> this is this is the list. Um, I mean, I agreed with a couple of the universal removals. Yeah. Um, but I've got some other removals here that you guys might not see coming. So you're um, removing Final Fantasy VII. That is incorrect. <laughs> um, it is that is an unconscionable thing to do. <laughs> like I, Final I Fantasy know you... VII and Metal Gear Solid are the only non-negotiables there. Well, like, well so this is there. this is sorry, Paul, to interrupt before you go into your list, but I do. There is like a caveat I have against some of these games, like Metal Gear Solid. Why haven't they just put Metal Gear Solid Integral or the one with the VR missions? Because then you've got all the VR missions. With uh, that's Final a good Fantasy, point, Jeff. With Final Fantasy VII, yet critically acclaimed. But arguably, Final Fantasy Nine is better. Mm. No, but Final uh, Fantasy Seven I mean, has to be in there. I, I know, I know. I, yeah, I, I know. I know. I know. Some people <laughs> Sorry, will be like, like I... Seven. No, Seven is just everyone loves it because it's mainstream. Nine is where is is the real Final Fantasy. Yeah. You, you know how people are. You know, I okay. So I was at EB Games the other day, right? Oh, and uh, and the cup and the two guys behind the counter, they these poor guys. I feel I felt for them. They had this like Uber nerd. Uh, standing in front of them and he was just kind of hanging out and talking about video games with them in a manner that like you could you could see they just wanted to kill themselves right <laughs> and and so uber nerd was like i don't understand what the big deal about final fantasy 7 is final fantasy 9 was the better game and, and, he, and he was like going on about final fantasy 9 and i was standing there in the nintendo switch section and i'm like i had to like really really reel myself in because like if I obviously if I'd fallen into that black hole of conversation, I would never have left. But like, not to call you an Uber nerd, Jeff. That's not where I'm going with this. But like, I get it. I get it. Final Fantasy IX is technically like the better game, but Final Fantasy VII is Final Fantasy VII. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I what think, else do I, I think have Final Fantasy VII has been has fallen victim to its hype. You know, and the fact that it's so universally beloved, and so people have just had to you know, hit back against it. But Final Fantasy VII is still a terrific game. And it's one of the best games, not only in the franchise, but of all time. I, yeah. look, I, I'm usually the curmudgeon here. <laughs> and I can tell you that Final Fantasy VII is still a very, very, very excellent game. And well, and I think, I think more than anything, Final Fantasy VII is so integrally tied to the PlayStation. Like, what the yeah. PlayStation is, oh, yeah. what it became, how it how it rose to dominance. is. It's the game that made RPGs popular. Yes. I mean, that's, so... that's, really, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. And, and I, you can I just rest your hat like... on that. I thought it was their best system seller, yes. personally. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think without I Final Fantasy VII, you know, Tomb Raider, you know, Resident Evil, those were games that, that made it, you know, a hit, but Final Fantasy VII really made it a hit. That's the moment yeah. where, you know, Nintendo probably realized, oh, okay, we're we're losing this war. Well, and, um, it, was, and it was Everybody also did. the first Final Fantasy game not on a Nintendo console, correct? Correct. Yeah. It was the, yeah. the the it was Square Enix's sort of lashing back at Nintendo and being like, We're done and we're out of here and you know, it, it it's just like there's so much impact and so much history that's tied into that game that I think to not include it would have been unfortunate. I'm I'm surprised Jeff was even rude enough to interrupt me with this silly <laughs> argument for Final <laughs> Fantasy Nine, quite frankly. No, well I just I did, all I wanted to put all I wanted to put into the into the debate was that Final Fantasy VII is my favorite PlayStation game, hands down. But but nine is an exceptional RPG. Yes, it is, it and is. it has furries. 
but yeah, Uber. <laughs> I, I, I've been stuck in game stores where customers and employees are arguing about which Final Fantasy comes in which order of brilliance, and you're just like, I, it, yeah. it, it's amazing what <laughs> what Final Fantasy does to people. Yeah. Okay, so Jeff, here's the question: yeah. Do you do you walk into those conversations and then start trolling by saying eight is the best? <laughs> well, I normally just start off with thirteen Could... when I do start. So. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh man! In retrospect, I wish I'd done that. But Listen, no, it's all about Mystic Quest. I don't know what any of you guys are talking about with all this <laughs> garbage. Mystic Quest. Mm-hmm. All right, anyway. we're we're running out of time here. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go over mine. I guess fairly quickly. Um, I would take out Wild Arms first of all. Ooh. Um, because you hate Wild I, Arms. Because I hate Wild Arms. That's that's really the bottom line. Like I thought it was just a really derivative RPG that lacked imagination. And I realized that there are a lot of Wild Arms fans out there, and and they probably want to kill me. That's cool. I live really far away. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're we're all good. Um, I would I would replace it with Final Fantasy Tactics because, as Arnie said no strategy rpg representation on the mini and you're and you have the best one right there like to this day final fantasy tactics might be the best representation of that genre and it came out like 20 years ago mm. so i i think that's a pretty easy inclusion shout out to legend of dragoon um also would have been a really worthy replacement i think for wild arms and it's for all the reasons that you guys already mentioned. We don't really need to get into it. Yeah. Um, I would have 100% taken out Siphon Filter. Oh, yeah. Um, that was one that I that I, I never played um, when I was younger. So I was always wondering, like, was Siphon Filter, like, a series that people liked? I mean, they Siphon liked Filter, them, but I, yeah. But... Siphon Filter was a low-rent Metal Gear Solid. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's what it was. But even back in the day, Paul... I looked at Siphon Filter and I remember it being 1999-2000 and I looked at it and I played it and I said, this controls like crap and it looks like crap. I don't <laughs> yep. want to play this. Um, oh, by the way, it sounds like crap. Yep. Like, I don't know if you remember... Okay, so after Metal Gear Solid, like, you were not allowed to have ba- bad voice acting anymore. No. Period. No, 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 no. Right? Exactly. Like, Metal Gear set the standard and if your game did not sound as good as Metal Gear, then you laughed at it. Yeah. And, and it was a generic spy story as well. So it, Oh, dude. There were almost yeah, like, and like nowadays there are no redeeming about qualities about that, and and it speaks no. to the testament of how shady this lineup is that we didn't even talk about Siphon Filter until now, um, and that we would have taken it off. Um, yeah. So there you go. Well, you yeah, need, you no, need about a five-hour awesome. podcast to go through this list because like looks like <laughs> looks like crap, plays like crap, sounds like crap is pretty much the tagline for this this whole list. <laughs> Apart from one or two mentions, it's it's yeah, wow. I can't. I can't stop looking at Man, it. Man, I'm so glad I was able to like shovel coal into this hate engine. You know? <laughs> but so which one do you insert, Paul? Um, for siphon filter, look, you. I can. I can see what. I can see where they're going with it. The stealth games were really big at the time, mm-hmm. but you already have Metal Gear Solid there. Let's go similar game but different direction and put Tenchu in there. Ooh, oh, I knew you were going there. We are. That's yeah. the one. Yeah. Brilliant game. That's a, yeah. I like that pick. Yeah, Absolutely. I, really I mean, that. it's a hard game. It's yeah. a hard game. I mean, much it harder is. than Metal Gear, but it's a very solid pick. And it has ninjas. Exactly. Like, that's exactly. it. That's an automatic <laughs> oh, win. Oh, dude. I didn't even think of that part. Yeah, it has ninjas. Like, there are no ninjas on the PlayStation Classic. And again, I'm particularly because Sekiro is coming out, which is kind yeah. of a spiritual successor to Tenchu. 
Like, yeah. why does this not make sense? But again, that's another Activision game. So maybe Activision mm. was not willing to play ball. But is, yeah, maybe. Is this Tenchu 1 or Tenchu I mean, 2 like, you want to put on? Uh, you know what, man? I debated it because... Look, uh, like I, I understand, I understand where you're coming from, Jeff. Where you want the PS Mini to be the cream of the crop for each game, each genre. Um, I, I see it more as sort of like a museum. Um, so games like Jumping Flash, I'm cool with. Yeah. I'm cool with Battle Arena to Shinden because that was the first one. But I, um, I would be more than happy like if they I, said, "Here's like the classic launch titles." And then here's all the really cool stuff that everyone wants to play. <laughs> hey man, I, I'm not I'm not arguing yeah. with you on that because <laughs> I I actually like as a consumer, if I'm purchasing it, I would want the best games. But it, it I I also see the value of it as kind of like a museum. Yeah, yeah. You know, you yeah. could go you could go either way. Right? Like but this is just capsule. kind of the way I'm approaching it. So, in that sense, Tenchu Two, obvious pick, like better version of Tenchu, but playing Tenchu for the first time was was an experience mm. like my friends and I loved that game we were like wow this is really fresh really interesting um and in sort of the museum-y spirit of the PS Mini in my mind I would put Tenchu in there over Tenchu too cool. um the next game I'd remove we've got a lot of puzzle games on this <gasps> system how dare you. um I don't really know why sorry Arnie but like <laughs> Three puzzle games, I think, is a little bit too much. Um, I think Intelligent Cube was a really inspired choice. Um, I love, personally, Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo. I yes. think it's possibly the best versus puzzle game ever, um, which sadly leaves poor Mr. Driller Aww. on my cutting room floor. <laughs> oh, that's so, unfortunate. Yeah, I know. It's a I'd good rather, game. But... I'd rather Mr. Driller than Intelligent Cube. Yeah, I think Mr. Driller, unfortunately, is, is the bottom of those three, at least for me. I think Ozzy might disagree with me. but So yeah, I'd take out Mr. Driller because we've, we've got too many puzzle games there that <laughs> nobody cares about. I, I would have said Castlevania, but that's kind of already been said yeah. and is, is a really obvious pick. Um, so in the spirit of keeping Battle Arena to Shinden as your museum piece, <laughs> I would also include a 2D fighter. Um, but here's the thing. Street Fighter and its various iterations have been released everywhere, on every platform, on every console. I think I know where you're going with this. Ooh, maybe you do. Um, the game that hasn't been released and is really a pioneer is Guilty Gear. Ooh. I did oh, not wow. know where you were going with that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say Stallion. King of Fighters. No, no. King of Fighters. Here's the thing. I didn't want to include any 2D fighter that was released on the Saturn. Gotcha. Because the Saturn did them all better. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, it's true. Like it just it just did. So let's not even let's Guilty not even. Guilty Gear is a really really uh, left field inclusion there, man. Um, and you're well, right. It hasn't been released anywhere. The first Guilty no, Gear has been, been you know has been forgotten basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And let me tell you, man. Guilty Gear at the time was I thought revolutionary. Like it had this kick ass soundtrack that we all loved mm -hmm. the the fighting system was fast and fresh the artwork was super original yeah like it was it was a heck of a game at the time and I think, they're still I think, releasing guilty gear games today yeah i think that's that's the thing that guilty gear is like always been pushing right is that is that super detailed art style where all these characters are like you know animated so amazingly and like are such like complex designs that like flow very well in when they fight. Yeah. 
And let me tell you, Arc System Works, they worked miracles on that PlayStation hardware because that game looked as good as any Saturn 2D fighter. Mm-hmm. Like, we were we were shocked at how good it looked on the PlayStation, which was not a 2D machine, right? No, no, it didn't so, do 2D well at all. Yeah. No, but Guilty Gear was, was definitely the exception. I don't know how they did it, but they did it. That game looked really good. And uh, and I don't know, I loved it back in the day. Um, Inspire choice, Paul. I, I approve. <laughs> awesome, thank you. It's, it makes me feel good, actually. <laughs> um, I would take out GTA for all the reasons we mentioned. Like, let's be honest, Grand Theft Auto starts with Grand Theft Auto 3. Yes. Yeah. And that's just kind of how it is. Um, I would probably, in in the vein of having, like, a GTA-style game, I'd replace it with Driver. Oh, nice. That's I don't a know good if you guys... pick. I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't go against that. But please tell me your reasons why. The reasons are basically what I mentioned, Ozzy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of like GTA, but it's in 3D. Um, when I say it's kind of like GTA, it's really not, but I just thought it was a really fresh take on kind of the racing genre at the time. I really enjoyed it. And, I really uh, enjoyed it as well. I mean, the, the, the question is whether people now would be able to pass the training mission. That is exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> I mean, because I tried to pass it and I couldn't, so and I probably put it down afterwards. So, no, um, you know what? Hey, man, that's a good point. And truth be told, like... If I was going to take out GTA and I had the pick of anything, it would be Gran Turismo 2. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. knowing that knowing that that's an impossibility, I think Driver's a pretty good choice. Yeah, I think it, it, um, it did really well, Driver. I think it sold really well. Over and it did very well in the UK yeah, as well. I think yeah. it was... Was it a UK-based game, I think? Um, I'm trying to think. I think it was. Yeah, Reflections was, I think, a Liverpool, okay. a Liverpool developer. But mm-hmm. it took place in, in Chicago and Miami. So it didn't take place in the yeah. UK, but it was done by British yeah. developers. I don't know what it is. We seem to be really good at depicting US life. I don't know. Like, like Rockstar, maybe they just employ all Americans, but Rockstar up in Scotland, yeah. Yeah, some US envy going on there, uh, Jeff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the fact that you lost that colony so many years back. Well, um, yeah. Well, Trump, Trump is Scottish, right? There, there right? Was so uh, there is that connection. <laughs> Um, lastly, uh, like you guys, I take out Cool Borders too. Um, I just don't see where the love is for that game. And, uh, I like, of course I would replace it with Tony Hawk, right? But, but I know that that's also an impossibility. Um, and it's funny. I heard you guys like sort of poop on it earlier. I put Parappa the Rapper in there. My, my only thing with Parappa is that I've heard that emulation wise, it, yeah, it, same. Like the button inputs don't uh, don't respond very well to like doing the rhythm parts. So it's been like a tr- like even on the PS4 release they did like the inputs weren't amazing. So that one's sort of a uh, uh, up in the air for me. See, this is my dream list though, right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is Parappa as if it plays well. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought Parappa was one of those games that kind of differentiated sony from everyone else oh yeah, yeah it nobody did. It did. nobody yeah. else had that kind of game and, and it was the genre and it was huge in the uk and if oh, you yeah. were gonna have some type of music representation then that would certainly be it well, um, i, I mean again artist, input I lag was english sorry uh was it i think because i think I, it was done by a japanese developer yeah but i think it was uh nana onsha was the developer but i think 
the the rapper was an American guy. Because perhaps anyway, perhaps. anyway. But I think if 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 you played Parappa, then you absolutely remember kick punch soul in the mic. You know, <laughs> yeah. so so it's a game that you know kind of stayed in your memory. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's a very nostalgic game for a lot of people. So, yeah. but I think input lag is a big issue. So. And you I know, think you could, I mean, why. honestly, you could also, obviously nobody would know what the fuck it is, but you could also go with the sequel, Um Jammer Lammy, um, you could. also on the so, PS1, but nobody would know what that is. No, whoa, 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 whoa. that's my favorite rhythm game, Um Jammer Lammy. Yeah. I absolutely, <laughs> I thought it was bonkers, but brilliant. Yeah, and that's the thing is like it's it's good and people the people who know about it like it, but everybody else would probably be like, "What the fuck? What the hell?" Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I liked it too. I actually have it still, but I think Parappa is kind of the birth of, of yeah, that he, whole thing. But it's like him and Crash. They were all these mascots, and like Parappa was, uh, yeah, he was a big mascot for the PlayStation. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, those are my five picks and replacements. Um, some honorable mentions. I'll just go. I'll just list them here. Yeah. Vagrant Story because you guys know me well enough by now. <laughs> um, Castlevania because of course. Silent Hill because of course. Einhander. I kind of flipped between a shoot 'em up if I was going to pick Einhander or Thunder Force Five. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's. I guess it's got to be Einhander. Um, but I could. I could take or leave either of them. Uh, and finally, Klonoa. Klonoa is, I don't know, man. I think that's a pretty good inclusion. I'm yeah. surprised it wasn't there, frankly. Yeah. And again, Namco clearly willing to play ball. Um, yeah. Don't know why Klonoa is not on there. Uh, one game that nobody mentioned, um, and I don't know if it's because it, it's just not as popular, but uh, Mega Man Legends and Legends 2? Yeah. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps. Um, I mean, Capcom was willing to play uh, ball. Uh, and Misadventures even of Tron Bon, right? Yeah, yeah, because like that's super pricey now. So yep. why not throw Tron Bon on there, right? Let's throw another fighter in there. How about Bloody Roar? Oof, oof. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, there are, there would be too many fighters, but you know, anything is better than Battle Arena to Shinden at this point. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what were you yeah, gonna say, so anyway, Jeff? Those are uh, those are my picks, um, and yeah, we're starting to. We're starting to run low on time here, guys. Anything else yeah. you want to add? Any other like thoughts that you had during the episode that you're like, I gotta get this out? I, yeah, I mean, I mean, the main thing for me, it just shows from all four of us just how many games there were on the PlayStation, and you could easily get a oh, hundred. You could get a hundred people in a room and say, right, we need to get twenty games down. You, it would be never ending. Um, and yep. I think at the time when people when the SNES Classic came out and the NES Classic. There was lots of podcasts and debates about what games would you include and what ones wouldn't you include. Mm-hmm. But there was always a consensus with those lists. The games on here are still great. Okay, you might yeah. replace one with another. Maybe you'd want Final Fantasy four over six. You know, so you have personal preferences. But yeah. you could you couldn't argue with those lists. Like like for me, I prefer Super Street Fighter two over Street Fighter two Turbo. Mm-hmm. Personally, because you get four more characters. Yeah, but with this list, I just feel like, and it's very easy to do, and a lot of people are kind of getting very um, opinionated, and they they kind of have that sense of entitlement that this list just it just there's too many question marks against it, and I and I do wonder who and which people made these choices. I would be really interested in one day to read about it or hear about it, and for them to say what what went on. 
Yeah. 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 That would be a very interesting article or documentary or whatever. Yeah. I well, think... I'm kind of very, I guess my, my parting thought on this is that I'm very surprised that none of us included Tomb Raider. And I'm very happy about that. Um, <laughs> because uh, as much of a, of a big uh, symbol of the PS1 as Tomb Raider and Lara Croft were, they're really not good games. Yeah. You know, and they really age poorly. But it is kind of surprising because they were so massive and they were so big for the PlayStation. So... I'm still a little bit surprised, and to be fair, I would have included it, you know, if we wanted to treat the PlayStation as a great representation of everything the console had to offer. Yeah. But I'm surprised that none of us included it, and, you know, mildly happy about it. I think yeah. I think cool. they got quite decent towards the end. I think Tomb Raider 3 was a, you know, it was like a much more refined version of the original. Um, but I, yeah. I just feel like... Yeah. I, I, the original, like... No, sorry, no, I was going to say, like, I recently tried to go back and play Tomb Raider... And as soon as I realized I couldn't, I, I forgot, but I couldn't use the analog stick. It was like, oh, this <laughs> is not going to go well. And it really didn't, yeah. really didn't. But the remake on the PlayStation 2 was excellent. Uh, but yeah, the original. Yeah, it was. It really was. Yeah. Tomb Raider Anniversary was a very, very good remake. Yeah. Um, uh, Arnie, any, uh, any parting thoughts there? I think that what this whole conversation has sort of imparted upon me is that I'm concerned for the future of these sort of classic systems i think that one thing that is clear is that it's nintendo there's something to be said about owning a lot of your major ips and your big like tentpole titles i think that nintendo has shown that when you own a lot of your own ips you you have a much easier time making a system like this work but you know the the jump up to a hundred dollars the fact that it's only 20 games the fact that you know, clearly, I, and I think anybody would agree with this, these are not the best games that the PlayStation 1 had to offer. And there's several reasons for that, and they're understandable to a degree. But I think what it shows is that companies that are not Nintendo are going to have a much harder time making a system like this work than Nintendo would. Because I think Nintendo, obviously, their big franchises that people love, they own most of them. And so mm-hmm. they, especially with their older systems, it's very easy for them to put up 10, 20, 30 games, you know, without having to dig too deep into their, into their wallet. Whereas I think Sony, who with the PlayStation 1 had a, you know, one of the things that made the PlayStation 1 stand out over the Nintendo 64 was the amazing third party support that it had. But when you go back to a system like this, then maybe the third party support isn't, you know, the best thing because now you're having to shell out money to all these different people. So, you know, we'll see how it how it ends up doing when it finally comes out. But I think that it's concerning um, for other companies outside of Nintendo to want to attempt something like this in the future. Yeah, yeah, and that's pretty much my thought as well. I just think it's ironic that, you know, back in the day, Sega and Nintendo were like, hey, you third party you should be happy to publish games on our system. Yeah. You go you go and do your own thing and then we'll do some QA and everybody will be happy. Whereas mm-hmm. Sony was like, here's what we'd like you to do. We're going to give you all the help we can. We're going to give you these really easy dev kits. We're going to give you frequent updates. We're going to some we're going to send employees over to your company to help you produce these games for our system. We want you to be a part of our family. Yeah. And now that the classic is being released, it's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank yeah, you. And I think, I think it speaks a lot to the perils of game preservation. 
and the fact that a lot of these games may not be re-released in the future when we don't know who the license holders are anymore or yeah. you have to license Tony Hawk's Pro Skater and you have to negotiate with Sean Muska's estate <laughs> you know that, that that presents kind of a conundrum there so it's I think it speaks to the need for more public domain laws that allow you to, you know, in the interest of art and preserving culture and history, that you need to make this subject to the public and the public needs to have access to them. Because otherwise, we end up with the same situation as the early silent films where a lot of them were lost. So I think it's, it, it speaks as, as, as to the dire state of the video game preservation movement um, and how many difficulties we will have in the future in trying to release these games again in the future yeah all right i guess we'll leave it at that then if that works for you guys works for me yeah, yeah. all right uh jeff where can we find you yeah, you can find me on instagram at uh, Gaming. you can also find me hanging around utrecht i like to frequent pubs and i also have a job so if you want to find me i'm in holland <laughs> <laughs> arnie uh, you can find me. Uh, I have a personal Instagram page that is long dead uh, at Welcome to the Game. It's Welcome Number to the Game. Uh, but you can mostly find me on the Region Free Gamers uh, Instagram and Twitter. It's at Region Free Gamers on both. Uh, we're also on YouTube, uh, so look for us on there. And as Paul said, uh, power bomb that subscribe button through a table. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, and I think that's about it. Yeah, Ozzy. Uh, you can find me uh, on Instagram at Shadow of the Collector with periods in between those words. And uh, occasionally I, I post on Region Free Gamers, but not as usual as Arnie. But uh, yeah, just definitely, you know, give a follow. Let's chat. Cool. And uh, you can find me on Instagram as well, uh, Paul's underscore Game Room. Uh, as always, guys, again, thanks so much for listening. Um, I think we have really cool listeners who interact with us quite a bit. And if you're new to the show, Feel free to say hello if you have ideas, if yeah. you have questions, pelt us. We uh, we love to hear it. And uh, again, as always, rating and review, rating and review um, on the Apple Podcasts app. Um, that would be really helpful to us. And uh, yeah, that's it for today. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Thank Bye. You. Plumber boy, mustache man, your worst nightmare has arrived. Pack up your stuff. I got a little surprise for you here. Check it out. What do you think about that? We got real time, 3D, lush organic environments. How's that make you feel, buddy? Feel a little like your days are numbered? I'm going to have to ask you to leave. You're hurting my elbow. Is that Italian? No, Bandicoot. It's an Australian name.